Welcome to Savvy Sabs Podcast. This is episode 131. Brianna Joy Gray smeared, Britney Spears reveal, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and more. Of course, Israel and Palestine is also a really big topic. So much, like I said, has been happening this week. I was like, man, yeah, we got to do a... I did a little quick one Tuesday night, which after I said I wasn't going to do one, I ended up doing one anyway because um, my, my meeting was deferred. So here I am again, though, because, you know, a lot of people didn't know that one was happening because that was after I went live. But anyway, it was a secret. let's get let, let's get into it tonight, because there's just so much going on. The censorship thing to me, I think, is just through the roof. And I've just been noticing a lot of hypocrisy because, you know, if you're for free speech when it comes to covid and the vaccines and you're for free speech when it comes to you know, Russia and Ukraine, you should also be for free speech when it comes to Israel and Palestine. And what I'm noticing based on that Daily Beast article, it's really interesting to me that they said that they've reached out to people at the Hill and, you know, they have concerns or there are some staffers there that have criticism or whatever. But I mean, you know, you guys were totally fine with saying we should not have censorship when it came to you know, Russia and Ukraine and when it came to COVID and the vaccines. But now that we're talking about Israel and Palestine, now all of a sudden it's, yeah, I'm not comfortable with what's being said. Let's get rid of this person. So the whole cancel culture thing, again, it just, it shows a lot of hypocrisy when it's an issue that you agree with versus an issue that you disagree with. And I think I'm going to continue to call that out because JB and I were just talking about this earlier today. We were talking about how we're starting to see people's true, their true self. You know, like you, you say that you're against these things, that everybody should be able to have free speech, that people should not be deplatformed. You know, it seems like to me, it's just certain people they feel should not be deplatformed. Whereas others who are saying different things, they feel they should be deplatformed. I mean, it's, it's one or the other, you know? So to me, it's like, you, you can't have this both ways. You can't say that, I am against censorship and I'm 100% free speech absolutist. And then the next thing you know, the moment it is a topic that you disagree with, you feel like that person should be canceled. So we're starting to see people's true selves. I'm gonna go ahead and bring in Notori. I see you're first up on the mic. What is going on, Miss Notori? Let me make sure my volume is um, turned on for the media. Hello. Okay. Hello. Do you think um Brie gonna get fired? I don't know. I, I did watch the interview that Brie had with Glenn Greenwald. I'm also gonna reach out and see if I can um get her to come on as well. But I watched that interview on Rumble earlier today and she said that like, you know, Robbie really had her back, so he stuck out stuck up for her. Um and also, you know, the producers had her back as well. So it sounds like to me, um, it must be different staffers, like people that maybe are not a producer or people who um, are not hosts, like there's other positions that you can have there, right? Um, I would I would sincerely hope that she wouldn't get fired. Um, although I will say, I think we all remember what happened to Katie Helper, which I brought up in the interview with Katie today. You know, the fact that they wouldn't let Katie do that monologue about Israel as apartheid as an apartheid state. But now, you know, they're openly talking about it as well. And I think it's because, 
to Katie's point, like she criticized them publicly. So now it's like if they do let someone go, you know, based on this particular topic, everyone's just going to be like point to Katie and say, well, Katie Halper was right about them, that they're censoring. They're censoring people. And I do know that rising. That's one of the, the subjects that they do speak up about a lot is like, you know, being against the censorship. But like I said, so if they were to fire Bree, we would all know it's over this issue and we would know that they're not anti-censorship. Mm-hmm. Bree is not my cup of tea, but I still watch her from time to time. And I know this not like it's not right. Like even like some people that I don't really like like that, I don't agree like with Jackson Hinkle either. I don't like I don't really fuck with him, but he do have some good takes. But I don't agree about that either. Cause a lot of people is cheering it on, but then when I see them screaming and crying when their um, favorite get um, canceled, you know. But I'm shocked. Um, I'm gonna pivot a little. Oh, you can go ahead if you want to say about oh i was just gonna say i mean i'm already noticing some of the hypocrisy i'm also noticing some of the silence uh some of the people who were screaming about free speech for covid and free speech for uh russia and ukraine uh, people who you know came to jackson hinkle's defense when he lost his channel people who came to you know other people's defense when they were kicked off of paypal and stuff like that I'm noticing uh, quite a bit of silence when it comes to this issue in reference to Israel and Palestine. And I'll be surprised if they speak out in favor of Brie too. So we'll just go to tell you again, like, I feel like some of these people really do care about censorship all across the board, but I also feel like some of these people were pandering to a certain base that they knew uh, cared about those two particular issues, but not so much. They have a different opinion when it comes to Israel and Palestine. Yes, and is that his name? Robbie had a red hot meltdown. <laughs> that was funny. It wasn't funny. It was like, really? It, it's not shocking, but I'm like, that's how you gonna react? Because I understand um, killing innocent um, Israel people is bad, but I just don't see it on the other side that like when you do bring up, I've been saying this a lot on Twitter lately. Like it's like you can't you can't see um both sides, but yet you can only see what um Palestine Palestinians did um at the um what is it what was it the um it won a rally it was like a song thing. And it's like every time, and I saw what Brie was um, saying, it's like when you bring it up, bring that up to them and um, how Israel been killing Palestinians for years, it's like they shake it off and I always want to just go to the next thing about what happened in these these two weeks and not been saying what's happening, been happening for years. That's crazy to me. Well, I hate to say it, but I've seen this before because I saw it with the war in Iraq. I remember the comment that Madeleine Albright made that she didn't care about all those dead Iraqi kids that, you know, uh, that were casualties. She was just like, whatever. Like, you know, it's they don't care about those kind of people. They don't care about, uh, you know, Muslim people, Arabic people, like in those countries, they don't care about those people. And then also one of the things that was revealed about Julian Assange, about the the casualties of war and the U.S. committing actual war crimes, that was another thing that was revealed was the fact that they were actually targeting civilians. There was video footage that Julian Assange was able to get that he received that showed that U.S. troops were targeting civilians. And I mean, like, just plain as day, 
plain as day. Not not people that were terrorists, not people that were soldiers. They were blatantly just shooting civilians in the street and it was on footage and it was sent to Julian Assange and Julian Assange published it. And that's why Julian Assange is in prison because he revealed the fact that the U.S. was committing war crimes until this day. And that's why when people say, you know, we're tired of hearing about Julian Assange or it's not important. No, it is important because look at where we are now in reference to Israel and Palestine. Israel is guilty of war crimes. And the fact that Joe Biden and the rest of them won't call this shit out is because they're all in bed with the Israeli lobby. Yeah, is it ALPAC? APAC. Also ADL. ADL is also uh, a Zionist organization. Like they, they, these people, like these organizations buy the politicians and then in turn, the politicians are supposed to legislate in their favor. When they came forward a couple of months ago, when they said that, you know, the U.S. government will support Israel unequivocally, has our unwavering support. That's basically like telling Israel that they have a pass to do whatever the fuck they want. And regardless, the U.S. government is going to back Israel. That's giving them a pass to commit war crimes. I see why the way they be texting on Twitter because I did a little research and almost um, everybody on both sides in Congress get a check from um, APEC or somewhere. It's like it's coded names. You got to really go in and dig because they use different names too. Yep. It's crazy. Yes, they, they do. Mm-hmm. I want to pivot a little bit in the Britney um, abortion thing and Jay... Justin, that's crazy to me. I'm like, I'm like, he already was a piece of shit, but just to find this out, like, Justin's just a piece of shit, like, even worse than I thought he was because it's like, wow, I feel like that's one, not just the only reason. I feel like that's a little bit what made her go a little crazy. And I remember how TMZ used to do when they first came on the scene, how they used to do her. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is that I want people to understand because I've had friends that I've had to go through this and, you know, having an abortion is not something that's easy to do and it's not something that you forget about either. And one of the things when I wanted to make the connection between Chili's situation and Bree's situation is that they were both very young and just lost and that didn't have nobody in their corner. If the guy tell you you need to get rid of it. And then I think we all know that Britney's father was basically exploiting his child, right? He was trying to make money off of her. From what I understand and from what I've read, also abusive, you know? And so it's like, who do you go to? Are you going to go to to the dad? Are you going to go to like, you know, I just remember having friends in that situation and feeling, they felt incredibly lost. I remember a friend of mine had one when we were in college and they had no one to go to because they said, if I go to my parents, they're going to disown me for even having sex in the first place. So I got to remember I went to college in the South. So there was a lot of, you know, some people were very religious and, you know, and then the guy that you got pregnant by, he tells you he don't want to be a father. You need to get rid of it. So then there's that. And then it's just, and you're famous? What do you do? 
them, she through hell, and I see now like, cause I ain't know a lot of like, you know, I was like, I'm a '90s baby, but I was back during like not back during them times, but like I used to love Britney back in the day, and just to see the shit she went through, I feel like the media and what she was going through and the industry did it to her. Yeah, and, and you know, and and some of these parents that you know, when the child is is famous, is a star, and stuff like that, you know, some of the parents can just be terrible because a lot of times the parents just be they want the kid to be famous and successful so they can live out their own dreams through their kids. So it's like they, they want the kid to, yeah, they want the kid to make all that money and and da da da, and then you know, I've I've talked about stories before of. Uh, Hollywood kids where the parents, you know, by the time they turn 18, they realize the parents took all the money like these, these things happen. And so I think, you know, some people kind of see it as like, oh, it's just celebrity stuff or whatever. Forget the fact that, forget the fact that Britney is a celebrity and pretend she's a normal person. This should have never happened. Like you should never feel, especially when she says she didn't want to have the abortion. She wanted to keep the baby. Mm-hmm. Just crazy, and I heard her mama was trash too. Girl, yes. Like I'm, I'm just like I'm like it was very clear that they were just trying to profit. Same thing that happened with Macaulay Culkin. His parents wanted to profit off of him too. And then you see what happens to these kids as they get older. They end up strung out on drugs or something like that, and people be like, "Oh, they're crazy," and yada yada and all that stuff. I mean, it's just. What people have to understand is like, it's not like she was just a singer. So like you look at someone like Debbie Gibson, Debbie Gibson was a teenage singer. She wrote her own songs. I think she was the only one at that age, at that point in time, writing her own songs. So Debbie Gibson was very talented, but even Debbie Gibson never got to the level of fame and popularity as Britney Spears did. Like at that point in time, she was one of the most famous people in the world. I think you got to just be very strong because I don't know if y'all heard about the Drew Barrymore when she came out, when she went a little crazy and they were saying her mama let her go to these um, parties, these adult parties and she can drink and stuff. And I know it's a lot of shit that goes on there, um, especially with them Disney kids and any um, Hollywood kid you just got to have strong parents. And the shit that I seen, I don't know, the boy from the Lost Boys, when he was telling everything, I, I, I think he's dead, but he was telling about how um they were um the old man in Hollywood. It's like so many kids is effed up by that, but that's all I wanted to say. It's just, wow, with that Justin and Britney thing. And then Justin came out talking about he just want to be with his him and his family. I, I bet he do. I'm I'm really curious too. I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering what um I'm kind of wondering what Jessica said. Um, the one he married to now. So I think that's a good. Yeah, I'm curious. Me too. I'm bet she's someone like oh shit. But thank you. That's all I wanted to talk about. Okay. Thank thank you, Notori. Uh, I'm just gonna bring in Eric and then I'll go to uh Noel. Hey Eric. Hey Savvy. 
What's going on? I know a lot of things happened this week. Hey, sorry. Uh, well, I, I, I was listening to your show all day today or most of it, but I just couldn't get on the chat. I normally get on the chat and say hi to everybody. So I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, you know, I really love the community that you built in the chat. Uh, although we don't get to see each other, but it seems like we get to know each other, especially since you do the calling. So thank you, Savvy, for doing that. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about Palestine and the justification, just oppose this with what you're talking about, how people essentially, you know, when it comes to Palestine, people back off, whether it's for censorship or just the mere fact that people are getting killed and the fact that the, the people that do get killed in Palestine never get the same priority that other people do. And you can just oppose this with uh, reparations. Uh, you can just oppose this with Haiti. You can just oppose this with uh, countries in the global South, in South America, Central America, and that you know people of color never get the same weight in terms of how important we are as humans that these other people do. And it's, and it has to do with color. It really does. Uh, and it goes back to, you know, the, the people that control the, the, the newspapers, the media channels at the very top, those people tend to be, you know, one color, even to this day. And uh, they can never seem to really understand why this is so important reparations for instance how that would change everything it, they can't accept that the, the same way they can't accept that a palestinian's life is, is is just as important as somebody who's from israel right we, they they cannot see that savvy and it really goes to that to me in my mind it goes to all of that and and that's why we have these endless wars and people in these countries get demised and, and thrown away and, and not talked about. You know, they're just like thrown away. Uh, and it continues yeah. to be like that. Right. Right. And it's true, too, because uh, uh, like some people have said to me, like, you know, don't defend them like they're Muslim. You're not you're not Muslim, so you shouldn't defend them. Look, I ain't got to be Muslim to see what the fuck is going on. I got eyes for that. I don't have to be Muslim to see that they're not being treated the same. I got eyes to see that, like, this is fucking apartheid. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, you know, it's the same thing that we have, that we have here in the U.S. US in, di in, in, in different degrees of levels, of, levels of, it. of it. You know, where there's, you know, where how, there's how a police, police person, person treats treat a person color, color versus, versus how they treat, how they treat in non, non color, color, right? Right. It, it, it just, it's just the degrees, the degrees of, of it. it. But it, but it's, it, it almost it back, back to saying how, how are we are this addition to look at to look at people of color. Let's look at the, the, the response, response time to how to how quickly Joe Biden. Joe Biden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is there next? Oh, that might be me. So. Sorry about that, Sally. But what I was saying is, you know, you can look at the response time from Joe Biden. Look how quickly he mobilized to get over there, right? And and he's already they've already committed 
I think it's, I don't know how many billions, is it $10 billion for Israel and supposedly $100 million for Palestine? Where, where's the money for Flint, Michigan, for the water, contaminated water system? You know, where, where's the help for Ohio, Palestine? You know, Maui, Hawaii. Where's the response for those people? Right? And, and those people in those those areas here in the U.S. are people of color, are native people in Hawaii, and so on. They're not getting any of that. So even even within our own country or the U.S., the media diminishes the people of color here, and, and we don't help them. You know, in, in 2021, the Amnesty International investigation confirmed, you know, that there is an apartheid. There is this domination of decades of, of oppression by the Israeli government upon the Palestinians. And Amnesty International is not a, they're a mainstream kind of organization. You know, they're not a leftist anything. They're just an organization that's recognized throughout the world. They've identified and confirmed that these people in Israel are doing what they've been doing to the Palestinians. So it's undeniable. And, and I think today, was it today that the U.S. and the, uh, the United Nations voted against uh, having some help for the Palestinians? And I think the U.S. vetoed what they were trying to do, is I think what I saw earlier today. So the U.S., you know, and I think the person that did it, I think the U.S. person, the, the representative, may be a person of color even. I think. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, you know, so it's really really messed up. But all of this, the way that we treat the Palestinians, the way that we in the U.S., that foreign policy of not looking at the people in other countries as equals, especially for those that are of color, that shows how we really are, as a, you know, how our government is. And that's the same way they treat us. So when a person of color here in the U.S. doesn't understand that, it's because they've been conditioned not to understand how, what, how we treat those people is the same way that we get treated here. The same way that Muhammad Ali did not want to go to war and, and you know, he would, you know, face, uh, you know, so much lash, uh, lashing back from the public in those days. But, and that's why he was so rendered, you know, because he stood up for that, that he was not going to go fight a war and, and go kill people of color that had never done anything to him. We need to have more of that discussion to understand, like, Wait a minute, why are we doing this to these people? The government does it to our own people here in the U.S. all the time, right? And then, uh, so I, I just wanted to share that with you, Sam. <laughs> no, I think those are all, like, really good points because I, I think the thing is, is that, you know, Muhammad, people like Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, you know, MLK, uh, Kwame Ture, like, they they saw what was going on and they were heavily speaking out against these types of things the black leaders that we have now in this country they have basically just become shills for neoliberalism the state department imperialism and israel i mean hakeem jeffries and richie torres they might as well be running for office in Israel since they, they love Israel so much instead of the United States. Like they're all just they're. It, this is all about money, though. 
Like, Katie mentioned it to me today when she said that, like, when we talked about RFK Jr. and she said he's already been sat down by either APAC or ADL and they've already told him how it's going to be. We'll, we'll give you, he said, they've already given him money. They've already thrown money at him. And they're smart now because, like, let me tell you, they're smart. They don't have to do it under APAC's organization. They can still be a part of APAC and donate individual donations to you. As yeah, long yeah. as you still do their, their bidding and stuff like that. I ain't never seen nobody go this hard for Israel. I'm like, motherfucker, are you running for president of the United States or are you running for president of Israel? <laughs> the other thing too savvy i was going to mention to you uh well there was a gentleman that came on uh with cj and nick a couple of days ago and i want to say his name was garland was it garland was that his name, was that his name? you talking about a, uh, uh, a uh maybe that maybe that was he's an older he's an gentleman, gentleman. and he, 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 you know, he, he talked, talked about, about the 60s, 60s and uh talked about, about how uh What's, his, What's name? his name? From the Rainbow, the Rainbow Coalition. Coalition. Uh, Rand, 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 yeah, I apologize for that echo. I don't, hopefully, it's not no, me. It's, but what I was, was that, that gentleman was also pointing out uh, that years ago, uh, the gentleman ha who had ran for president, who created the uh, the Rainbow Coalition, he had also sold out, and how you know essentially how that connected to today's political environment that we have, not having a third party, and so on, and. and and all these things are sort of connected and, you know, as, as time goes on, they connect to one another, including, you know, uh, with Bernie selling out his movement and whatnot. And he was also critical of, of um, Cornell West, who, who I think he was, he's either friends with or he knows. He him. was the one, he was the one who brought Cornell West over to the Green Party. Okay. There you go, Savvy. So, so yeah, he was he was critical of Cornell because he was saying that by by Cornell removing himself from the Green Party, it just it didn't seem like the right thing to do. That it was a, I think he called it like a monumental. I may be using the wrong words, but like a really big mistake that he made by doing what he did. Uh, and, and I think you know we're not talking about that right now because of everything that's going on in Palestine, you know. But he he was definitely critical of it. Of, of that that move that he made uh anyhow I, w I wanted to share that with you and then as far as you know last, <laughs> lastly with justin i know you were talking about justin uh timberlake and i think with that dude i think he you know he just shows a lack of empathy and sincerity this guy um because i think you could you can make a mistake you know when you're young as a couple with a girl and a man and then you know have this this thing happen uh, mistakes can be made but if you get older as we age and you don't recognize like hey you know that was a mistake we probably should have had the kid or and you just come up with what he said that message that he wrote 
it comes across as like insincere. It's just not sincere. I think if you if you live a little, you know that a mistake was made. You should recognize it, and, and people would feel it if you're honest with what you say. But um, he just that that dude to me just comes across as very insincere and just kind of phony. And I, I also don't like him. Be, I don't like him because of some of the things that he's done. He, it seems like he just he can't he, the way he came up. You know, it, it just seems like he's a phony guy. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Justin, look out for Justin, I think. You know, there was there was another report that came through. I think it was last year. Um, it was actually, there was video footage when he was on the set filming a movie and he was out of state. And there was um, one of his co-stars, apparently, I guess they were out for drinks or something. And the video footage showed that she was rubbing on his leg. And so, you know, that made like, that made news and... Oh, wow, wow. They tried to get a response from Jessica Biel and how she felt about it and stuff like that. And I'm just like, anyway, in that video footage, from what I saw, Justin Timberlake did not look happy. He did not. He did not look like a happy person. And a lot of people don't remember this. These people been in show business for a long time because we got to go back to the Mickey Mouse Club. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, Christina Aguilera, all of them were on the Mickey Mouse Club. But I am on Instagram and there's a lot of channels there, or I don't know what you call them, but whatever they're called uh, from different, uh, either little news channels or whatever. The majority of them, I would say most of them push the agenda from the Israeli perspective. But what I've noticed over the last few days is that more feeds are coming through that are basically saying like, no, this is wrong. Not, not from the news channels, but just from regular people or smaller, smaller outfits. I want to call them that are basically saying, no, look, this is wrong. What's going on over there is completely wrong. So there is a shift, at least that I'm seeing in Instagram still, there's more for, for, for Israel, for Israel, but I'm seeing more of these people, smaller, whatever they're called, on Instagram that are saying, no, hey, this is wrong. You know, what's happening over there is wrong. Uh, th there is a shift. And I think here in the U.S., it's hard for us to see it. But I think across the world, more people could recognize that it's it's Israel who's in the wrong. There's more people that I would, would weigh in on that side, I believe. We don't get to see it because here in the U.S., there's so many people in the government and the media. You know, I sometimes even like to say that Kanye was right, <laughs> you know, with what he had to say earlier this year, you know? Uh, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Kanye is. Kanye is. Some of the stuff that he said Yeah, some of the things he said, I think there could be some, you know, I think Kanye, what he messed up was he, he said Jewish people and that there's a difference between someone being Jewish and someone being a Zionist. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. That's something that, that Katie explained yeah, um, yeah. in the interview earlier today. It, it, but and I think that might have just been him not being able to use the, the right verbiage, you know, the right words to kind of paint his picture that he was trying to paint. But, you know, I think I, I met, there's other people that have mentioned it, either even people that I know within my own circle of friends who now look at what he did and what he said. Um, 
like, yeah, man, he's right. You know, some of the stuff that he was saying was right. And and I think it proved it. You know, for instance, what's happening in Breed right now, they're trying to get rid of her. That goes to Kanye's point, you know, that if you do anything against these folks and you make it out even a little bit that, that you're against them, that you're not even against them. You're just pointing out the injustices. They'll come after you and silence you in ways that are going to either hit your pocket. If they can, they'll make sure that you, they get rid of you at work. It's, it's a very hard thing to do, especially if you don't have the, you know, the resources to, to, to support yourself. You know? so, so most people are not going to speak up against anything against Israel. If they have a platform, uh, you know, for instance, there's a couple of big uh, hip-hop uh, stars, I guess, I don't know what you call them, that are either Palestinian or, the, or, or their families are from Palestine, and they're, they're not saying anything, you know? They're not saying, they're not coming out and saying, oh, saying, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're worried, worried about the lash, that people lashing back or the mainstream lashing back at them. Um, Speaking of people not coming out saying anything, where's DJ Khaled on this issue? That, 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 that's, that's what I was, what I was talking, talking about, about Sally. <laughs> DJ Khaled, for those who don't know, DJ Khaled is Palestinian. DJ Khaled ain't says shit about this issue. He's been silent, Mr. DJ Khaled, yeah, we're the that, best, that, has nothing to say. That, that motherfucker, motherfucker, I'm sorry to say this, but, you know, I, I have him on Instagram, and he silenced, you know, like, the comments. So you can't comment on none of his shit. So, like, when he puts a, a post up, normally you can you can make a comment. But ever since this thing, you know, started, like, a week or two ago, he went and silenced everything. So now when he puts a post, because he knows he's going to get people saying, hey, how come you're not saying anything? And, and I'll tell you something else. Like I went on another, um, I was on somebody else's page earlier this week, this other lesser known guy. But he has a big following on YouTube and also on Instagram, this comedian guy. And he, he's from Palestine. Like his mom, he shows his mom on his, his uh, little Instagram, little uh, bit, uh, things that he does, right? Little videos that he puts together. So you can see he's Palestinian, right? Well, he also hasn't said, he put a little message together, but it was very, it was crafted in a way savvy that he made it so he wouldn't be offending anybody, meaning on the Israeli side, right? And then I went to make a comment on it. And then, uh, and, and I said, in my comments, I was writing Palestinian something. Well, as soon as I wrote that comment, Inst- Instagram uh, flagged it like within you know less than a second, and then it deleted my comment. It it, it didn't have any profanity, it didn't have anything bad per se, but it mentioned something about P- Palestine. My comment did, and then bam, it deleted it. So these platforms have the capability within their AI systems or whatever the the, the algorithms that they have built into them, they can just remove comments. If you get on a uh, on a big platform or a big channel, whatever you want to call it, so yeah, I was I was gonna say YouTube does that. YouTube removes comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you know, I I I want to say uh, I really like the fact that we get a chance to speak to you and call in, and that in in the world that we live in, savvy, uh, this all this hypersensitivity around the way that we talk. Uh, you can't say anything because then people will say that you're being aggressive towards them, that you're, you know, 
coming at them, you're bullying them. And I love that your show in RBN is very sincere, very common sense oriented, and it allows your, your audience to really say their, speak their mind without any sort of bullshit, you know? Um, and we get it, you know, we get it. We know when something, when someone does something wrong and somebody speaks out of turn, we can, we can see through it. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, an adult conversation that we're having. Uh, and I really am happy that you have that, that you're not, you know, playing to any trends that you speak your mind, you know, like if somebody gets on the show on, on your call in and they start to talk about something that, that you don't agree with, you don't play to it. You let it be known and you let you let us know and and in turn we can do the same and and i appreciate that and love that about rbn so i'll let someone else talk thank you awesome thank you so much eric let's bring in noel miss noel how are you good evening everybody good evening, everybody I'm fine. I'm fine um um what's on your mind noel you know what there's been a lot going on and you know, when I sit back and look at things, I realize that everything we're seeing is about control of narrative. And that as the saying goes, he who controls the narrative owns the day and rules the world in time. And so I thought your interview with Kim Iverson and um, Katie Halper were both very informative because both of them offered you a context into um, the development and emergence of Israel as a nation state within what was Palestine. And so it's clear, you know, that Israel is indeed an occupier. And, you know, when I trace that, you know, connectivity to the United States and you look at where the United States come from and how it emerges. And it occurs to me that the way the European settlers who came to this land in North America viewed this land as well as the indigenous peoples that were here upon their arrival is really substantially no different than the Israelis' perspective. And I, by Israelis, I mean the Zionists the Zionist project with respect to Palestine and the Palestinians. And so you see where the support for Israel coming from the United States is consistent with who the United States is and has always been, you know, as a enslaver and occupier and, you know, you, one can make a strong argument that what has happened to the indigenous peoples of this land has really been a genocidal project in slow motion, which is the same thing we see in Israel with the Palestinians. And to hear people like Miko Paled speak from the heart and from his own personal experience about his father who had strong and early connections with the formation of Israel to hear this man speak and has come to the position that he is defending 
Palestine and its right to exist and articulating that the appropriate vision is a Palestinian state that is truly democratic and includes space for all the diversity, including Jews of every description and Arabs and Muslims and this and that. That has to be the goal for all of these um, nations at this point, because every nation is multifaceted and, you know, has a certain amount of diversity. But you see that that strain of racism that comes through and imperialism and feudalism, that cauldron that bubbles produced America and now America sees and, you know, Israel as its, you know, stepchild or, or, you know, as for all practical purposes, you are the America of a new age. And so there's this thing that connects the synergy between the American state and the Israeli Zionist project. And so framing is everything. And which comes back to the problem that we are having here and will continue to have, I believe, with censorship, because it is about control of the narrative. And you can tie that in with the problem that they're trying to create for Brianna. She challenges the mainstream narrative and therefore she must be silent. She must be censored. She must be controlled. And it's just one of, it's just like a knee jerk instinct. And so we're really in a difficult place. Um, I think the world is changing. It is truly moving to a type of multipolarity and America is not going to see it. I think we're going to respond poorly to it. And all this militarism is just going to lead to inevitably a third world war or something of that nature, something on that scale. We see China and Russia strengthening their alignment. We see people in the Southern, you know, hemisphere, you know, speaking out more vociferously against what the United States has been doing over the centuries. And I just think it's time for a different type of world and America is just not seeing it. And, you know, we keep, it's so obvious now that the United States can cough up billions, literally billions by the hundreds for all of these war efforts in this and that. But again, when you say the domestic policy and what's going on at home with the homeless and no health care and this and that and it's just like two different worlds, but they're so starkly, you know, juxtaposed to each other till even the everyday citizen can see it now. In real time, they're saying, wait a minute, you're coughing up a hundred billion dollars for these externalities, but we can't get health care. And you're telling us Bidenomics is working fine. But if you notice, when it comes to that foreign aid, it's generally a bipartisan project. And a lot of the people in Congress are concerned about getting the Speaker of the House because there is enough bipartisan support to move forward with Biden's request. And it's just, I just see this thing is deteriorating. It is a, a, a continued reflection 
that we are and have been a plantation nation. It's always been there, you know? So it's just, you know, I think it's just really sad and everything goes back to money and money as it translates into power. And we're starting to see the people who really have voice are the people who have resources and they can use them in a thousand different ways to control the narratives. So, you know, our political people are basically bought and sold. They don't hear the public. And this avenue that social media and independent media has opened is going to at some point become more problematic and the censorship is going to come down. You know, we're going to see it more and more in a whole lot of different ways because they cannot afford to lose control of the narrative and the you know, partisan narrative is just losing its steam because people are like, hold on, you know, it's not really Democrat versus Republican. There is something that underlies that that is more potent. And it is the really the rich and poor. And as soon as I think, you know, disenfranchised and disaffected white people realize that race does not supersede class like they believe and pray that it will, there's going to be hell to pay in this country in ways that I don't think we've seen. And those are just, you know, my comment. Yeah. And I, I think it's just very obvious, you know, in reference to the censorship, I just saw a poll, uh, a case study QB posted and it says that the majority of Americans do not believe we should send aid to Israel. So the tide is shifting. And uh, I just think about, you know, those Harvard students that wrote that letter. And to me, it's just like, they see it as clear as day, as clear as day. They're like, look, we know exactly what's going on here. And like I said, we have the internet, we have social media now. So these kids don't have to listen to what the professors are saying. They're not just listening to what the professors are saying either. They're actually looking up information on their own. It's some, it's some good news. I just heard today about some of the big donors are cutting their connections with both Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania because they're, and it, it has to do with the posture that the student bodies and student organizations are taking in a public way with respect to this whole Palestinian Israel crisis. So we see the hand of money trying to manipulate and control the narrative in the ways that it usually does. But I also think those two um, Jewish groups in the state capital standing for Palestinian freedom and liberation is powerful, is powerful because these are the Jewish people and so it's not as easy to label them as, you know, anti-Semites and things of that nature. And these people are not the Zionists and they are not supporting the Zionist call. But what's most interesting to me is if you really examine the history, 
which is what we have a problem with this with in this country, which is why they want to ban books and all this, because they know if you really dig into the history as Kim Iverson did and as Katie Halper brought to the stage, you see it for what it is. You see it as a the whole state of Israel as a, really a racist project from start to finish. And when you hear Miko Pallet saying, you know, the um, military in Israel were looking at that whole, the early crisis as an opportunity because the Arab states surrounding Palestine at the time, Israel, were not prepared for war. So, you know, and in my perspective, and you know, my perspective, of course, is informed by the fact that I am a descendant of American slavery. To my thinking, occupiers, enslavers, and genocidal exterminators have no place on the moral high ground to even lay claim to any type of defense against the uprisings of the oppressed. You leave them no option for their lives but to resort to violence. So killing of people at any point is an atrocity. But when you go to the moral high ground, people trying to survive acts of genocide, acts of enslavement, severe oppression, you know, collective punishment, these people have no recourse. You cannot march up to that fence between Gaza and Israel and knock on the fence and shake the bars and say, excuse me, we need to petition for our, you cannot do that. They tried and got shot down. We see these things in real time. And so for me, if you are, if your motivation is to escape the scourge and the oppression of enslavement, of genocidal efforts and things of this nature, then you are fighting literally for your life. The people who come in with extreme power to enslave you, to oppress you, to walk you to the edge of the Mediterranean Sea and tell you to flee. Their violence and killing is of a whole world away different from those who are resisting that. And that's why I stand with the people of Palestine. I understand that level of oppression. And we live with it in this country every day day. And it's just, you know, it's just sad. But I'll, you know, be quiet and let somebody. All right. Well said. Let's bring in Frank. Frank, you're on the mic. You just got to unmute. What's going on, Frank? Hi, Sabby. Hi, Sabby. Oh, how are you? <laughs> Why am I echoing? Why am I echoing? <laughs> is that is that me? Am I the echo? Let me switch my thing. You because you're not echoing on my end. Yes, okay. you're the yes, okay. you're the echo. Okay, let me fix that. So is it better now? Yes, that's better. Uh, I 
I, 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 you, you spoke about uh, um, inclusivity and diversity, and uh, that made me think of uh, the the sunset review on uh, these professional licenses. The, a report just came out. Each year they they do a, a different report and they recycle them every ten years. Um, and and um, this year that they have they have to do the bankers and architects and most of the finance industry engine engineers and surveyors and a few others and uh, uh one of the requirements that they must evaluate and analyze in the report is whether entry requirements encourage equity diversity and inclusivity and they say where applied in the report not available <laughs> They they shall do this. They have to do it, and they say it's not available. I know of four websites that have the bankers um, info, the <laughs> demographics, and um, all the every single banker's license in the state of Colorado is given to a white man. So <laughs> they know that <laughs> they go to these American Bankers Associating Association meetings and see nothing but white men. I think they know, <laughs> and, and um, they. So the architects, there's uh, there's nine black architects out of seven more than seven thousand two hundred uh, licenses, uh, architects licenses, and only one of those nine is a woman, and and that woman and four other four of those men actually came to Colorado with their licenses from other states. So um, they know that as well. Uh, and they did that with not available again. So um, I, I, I'm going to try and put a lawsuit together of uh, um, having to, to sue them and, and many of the other uh, criteria that they're supposed to have in these uh, uh, sunset review reports and you know they're not they're they're trying to hide the fact that there is extreme racism in the in the banking industry and they're acting like it doesn't even it's it doesn't even exist <laughs> they won't talk, even talk about, about it, it. <laughs> that's, so, that's really interesting um but it just again it just goes to show you like the amount of pandering that's done versus the material like gains for the people. Yeah. Yeah. And this, and this, and this is Jared Polis. This is Jared Polis, you know. He's supposed to be caring about inclusivity. Diversity. Diversity. But he but doesn't. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. <laughs> the, the entire Democratic Party. party. And, 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 the, and what, 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 in the, the legislature, we have our legislative session from uh, mid-January until about June. Um, it lasts for 120 days. And our legislature is supposed to go over this exact same requirements. And they haven't done that. And this law was written in 1976, and it, and it ha hasn't been done since. And actually, in 2022, this law was not in, in, to encourage equity, diversity, and inclusivity. And encourage is a is a is a verb, and they have to actually act. On. Um, it was actually encourage affirmative action. So the Democratic Party um, legislature, let, I call it the legis mobster, in, here in Colorado, repealed affirmative action in professional licensing a year before the Supreme Court did. 
<laughs> You're um, such hypocrites. Frank, <laughs> Frank, what was those four um, ballot initiatives? Because I didn't see them put There's two, two, there's two ballot initiatives. Um, the, the, the other two were local to Fort Collins. Um, so I, I really don't know those, but um, one is uh, to reduce the property taxes. Uh, and I can even read it for you if you want. Um, yeah, it sure. says, shall, shall the state reduce property taxes for homes and businesses, including expanding property tax relief for seniors, pandering language, <laughs> and backfill counties, water districts, fire districts, ambulance and hospital districts, and other local governments fund school districts by using a portion of the state surplus up to the proposition HH cap as defined in, in this measure. Now, conservatives hate this because this gets around their Tabor law, which they put into uh, in, in 1992 by ballot. Taxpayer Bill of Rights, Tabor, right? And uh, there's parts of Tabor that I can't tax, a 6% income tax. Or, or is it four? I think it's four. Um, and and um, uh, so that tax, um, so the rich people pay as much as is a poor person actually making a hundred bucks over the year. And um, so the poor person still has to pay that same same percentage of tax. There isn't a standard deduction in Colorado, and so that's that poor person has to pay the same percentage in tax as, as the very wealthy who could just, you know, throw it away. And, and it just, um, it, so it, this is a, this is a giveaway of uh, property taxes while doing nothing for the poor and the poor are going to get absolutely nothing out of this. They're not, it's not going to reduce rents or anything. It's just, it's just there to, uh, um, as a property tax relief. And another part of, Tabor, um, that it caps, it puts a cap on it. You, I read the HH cap as defined in this measure. Uh, Tabor puts a cap on the on the on the revenue collected by the state, and it, it after it gets past that cap, the the uh, Tabor forces uh, the the state government to give the a refund to all yes. all people in the state. They actually yeah. don't do that to me because uh, um, the people that are doing that just don't like me. <laughs> they actually find ways to steal my Tabor refund so that they do that to people they don't like. <laughs> and they make up lies. They've made up lies to do it. They've actually gone back to court cases that were rigged four years before. They did, last year they stole it. And um, they went back to a court case four years before and said, he owes fees when the judge never applied a fee. <laughs> So it's it's they make up stuff. Um, and that was that was actually a case rigged to steal my driver's license, <laughs> which they have done for 11 years now. And they didn't have a reason to do that in the first and all. And, and I, I was about uh, raising taxes um, without raising taxes. Um, can it uh, retain and spend the revenues from cigarette, tobacco and nicotine products and, and keep that without? having to go into the Tabor refund as well. So it's, it's a, it's a way of getting around without dealing with the worst parts of Tabor. Um, it just let, wants to, get, you know, spend as much as it wants without, you know, that cap. So is um, that, the, 
What? Is is that for 2024? Because the this one I see for 20. Go ahead. No, it's that. This is for uh, next week. Next uh, week. Oh, it's so a local. Is... Yeah. No, this is statewide. So we have a huh? statewide. Yeah, we're having a statewide election on just those two ballot initiatives, and then um, there's one ballot initiative for this for the city of Denver. And we're having one uh, school. We're having a school board election as well. So that those are the uh, four items on my ballot in Colorado. Did they move the Denver as well? Did they move? They move the. Did they move the something? date or something? Because I. Because I. It, no. One second. But, one uh, second, Eric. I'm gonna make you a moderator. So, promoted a moderator right now. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna exit and come back because people are saying I still have echo. I'm gonna exit and come back because people are saying I still have echo. You're the you're the echoer. The the host echoer. Yeah, I mean one thing I'll I'll you gotta finish. All right, Roger, you finish. Um so so Frank, because this is what I was saying. Um yeah. I, I didn't. You got one statewide. It doesn't even show up on yep. Ballotpedia. The one I got was slated huh. for November seventh, and it's Proposition yeah. Two: Tobacco and Nicotine Product Tax Revenue yes. Measure. That, that yeah, and, that's the one I just described. The second one I described. Oh, that says that's November seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Oh wait, is, are we that close to November? Yeah. Is yeah, there, it's the nineteenth October. Is there? Yeah. A, is there an echo now? No. Nope. We're good. Oh, I didn't realize we were this close to November. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the we second are. One is, okay. The H yep. proposition HH property tax changes and revenue change. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was I was looking at that about how you guys how they want to change it where they want to um if there's any extra money left over, they don't want to give it to you guys. They want to say, yep. hey, we're going to give it to the schools <laughs> you yeah. know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they list off a bunch of things they might give it to, and it's a wide list. So, yeah, it's um, uh, conservatives hate it um, and and lefties hate it because they're not they're, they're <laughs> it's a it's a giveaway to the wealthy while ignoring the poor. And they should they should deal. The biggest thing about Tabor is is that uh, um, it doesn't have that. Uh, it it it's a flat tax and, and won't do anything about uh, progressive taxation. And it it um, so they don't deal with that because they like it. <laughs> yeah, because it says Tabor limits the amount of money the state of Colorado can take in and spend. It yeah. limits the annual increase for some state revenue to inflation plus the percentage change in state population. Any money collected above this limit is refunded to taxpayers unless the voters allow the state to spend it. Yep. Yep. It so is. is Tabor good or bad? Both. I mean, that sounds like it's good. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It can be a There's... hammer used to build to destroy. Got it. Yeah, and, and like the, I does I don't like the flat tax part of it. I think that's terrible. I, 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 I actually like that it has to go to what um, taxes have to go to uh, the people, and um, because I, I, I really don't trust our legislature at all, and yes. I know that, I know they're all crooks, and they will just do as as the wealthy want them to do, and you know, most you know, 
we'll smoke up our asses and, and, you know, that, that's all, you know, that, so that's one thing I like about it. Um, but, mm -hmm. and, and, um, the cap I'm, so I sometimes, I, I sometimes like, and sometimes don't, um, so, uh, it, it's not, it's not, it, there should be some relief in, uh, um, when, when, uh, during recessions, um, but there isn't, and, and it makes it, it makes it more difficult for the state to function, um, in that, in that, uh, we have had on the ballot to, uh, uh, relieve Tabor for like X number of years while, while it recovers from recession. So we've had, mm -hmm. we've had to go through that too. So it's, it's, there's a lot of good and bad to it. Earl said that he's going to, he's looking, instead of doing a state bank, he's going to do like a start locally, like local public banks. He told me, okay. Um, Cause you guys yeah. automatically have home rules. So you don't have to get, I mean, I know you guys got to fight. You could do it and they're going to try to fight you anyway, but you guys yeah. have home rule. He told me. Yeah. I yeah, forgot to do. make an announcement tonight on the show which sucks, but I guess I can make it now. <laughs> I think I still got time. I just want to announce this. Um, I did receive this email. Journalist Max Blumenthal will be joining us live at Community Church of Boston, for those of you in the area, November 13th at 7 p.m. And it's going to give a talk and analysis about Gaza, Israel, Hezbollah, etc. Join us live in person or watch from home on Zoom by registering with the link. So just letting you know. Oh, Sounds good. I think that's okay. by uh, Massachusetts Peace Action, right? Action, right? Yeah. It's MAPA. It's MAPA. So you think we should go to that one, Sabby? I think we can go. I think that's a Monday. It is a Monday. I'm off on Monday. I mean, I can go. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna reach out to Anya and see if she's gonna be here too <laughs> okay sorry anyway that's a private conversation anyway <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, Jenny's asking if we can announce it again yeah so this is an event in uh, Boston um, and uh, I forget what what is that community church of Boston? Anyways, it's, it's an event in bought um, MAPA's Massachusetts peace action. I think they're doing a, a series of events that uh, we got the email on. And one of them is um, the talk by Max Blumenthal. So if you're in the Boston area, watch out for that one. Uh, uh, November 13th. Um, I wouldn't live stream it just because they're live streaming the, the, um, the community church is live streaming it but we could record some things if you wanted to or we just could just go to like chill anyway this is a private conversation i'm sorry go ahead Frank. Frank. <laughs> and i also did want to bring up that i went to a, a attorney a attorney general had a town hall um not too far from me um uh, on sunday and I, and i asked him a cup a couple of questions one one was why didn't he um hold accountable uh dr eric hill and mpac which is the the agency that allowed the ketamine eric hill was the the doctor that 
uh, signed for the waiver of ketamine to allow paramedics to do it and signed an attestation that he would supervise and train um, that, uh, the paramedics uh, that ended up killing Elijah McClain. And, um, and his response was, was, was pretty, was more than weak. He, he said that he can't comment on cases that he's prosecuting, but I asked him, you know, why wasn't he prosecuting Dr. Eric Hill or MPAC? <laughs> so, and it's a class warfare game. They don't, they don't touch the wealthier uh, professions at all. They'll go out, they, you know, they really don't want to do it with, you know, uh, police or, or paramedics, but they're definitely not touching the paramedics. And, and I, and I also ask him why he doesn't, he has one, one, uh, a professional license that he must enforce the entire um, Architects Practice Act. So I asked him, oh, you know, after the session, you know, after the session and um, in, in private, just with his, uh, uh, his, his staff member that was there. And, uh, and I've asked this question for him, for him before of why he doesn't, in, doesn't enforce uh, 20 CRS 2431 uh, 101 subject, subsection 1E, which is the um, inf- demand C that he enforced the Architects Practice Act. And he said, Anna, can you. Oh, I think we lost you a little bit. Left, ran, literally ran out and went two blocks down. So that... I think you're breaking up oh, a little bit. You... Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. What, where did I leave off at? <laughs> um something about walking down oh okay so you got you got most of the story in he he walked down two blocks went out went out the door and walked out two blocks instead of ans- answering the question of why he couldn't follow the laws of his duties <laughs> and i cited the law to him <laughs> he is so it's fu- so funny to see an attorney general so afraid of just little old me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> he knows I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I always stress like, you know, local politics, like you're doing the right thing. Like it's important, you know? Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't quite pull a Jose because um, I w- I just, calm and incited the statutes, but uh, maybe next time in a bigger crowd, I'll do a Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jose, let me tell you guys, Jose, like they drag him out and everything. I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Jose has He's no a shit. big guy. <laughs> I'm mixing it up, that's for sure. <laughs> Okay, that that was that was all I was just, all I wanted to say. Was, uh, all right, cool. Oh, and, Let's and, um, did you did uh, as following up on Jumbo's? Is she on the list, <laughs> or did you contact her? Not yet. I'm sorry. I'm I'm still behind. I'm way behind on emails, but I'll get there. Okay. All right. I'll Thanks. get there. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. Thanks. Let's go ahead Bye. and. Thank you so much, Frank. Let's bring in Ashura, and then we will go to uh, Roger. What's up, Ashura? Just got to hit unmute. Hello, Savvy. 
What's going on, Ashura? Uh, just uh, been watching the world burn and turn their backs against Palestinians. Uh, uh, you know that one guy, one black dude, um, that's probably, I don't know if he's the leader of some African country. You, you, you showed the clip. You showed the clip on Twitter. And he was saying uh, that he supports Israel because they're both apartheid states. They used to be. But he supports the two-state solution. I'm like, the fuck? Like, nobody wants it. Like, a two-state solution, Israel doesn't give a fuck about it. Palestine is Israel. Are you talking about South Africa? Yeah, well, some leader from South Africa. You put the clip on. You, you, put, it the, you, put, it the, you put the clip on Twitter, and it was this black guy who was talking about it. And he had a bunch of people be. He said, uh, "We are basically used to be apartheid too, and we support the two-state solution." But the Palestinian people said, "Don't we? We don't want that shit. We want one country." Well, I mean, there have been multiple negotiations that, like, there was a negotiation agreement for two thousand and two. I talked about that, the Arab uh, Peace Initiative, but Israel rejected that. Most of the Palestinian people did agree with it, but Israel said no. Yeah, because I'm like, uh, what the fuck you talk about? Because you stole their land. <laughs> I mean, it, even though uh, Britain carved up the fucking land, they gave you a piece and you decide, oh, no, fuck this shit. We want more. I think like even like getting too caught up in whether it's a one state or a two state solution, I think the, the thing to, to emphasize in demand is that um, justice for Palestinians. I mean, simple as that. Well, the justice would be for them to return back home. And I would say the whole state of Israel shit, just scratch that fucking shit and just put Palestine back on the map. I mean, it was their land. You could just live together. They're not going to do that because that would be the same thing as basically give the U.S. native, actually all of North America, back to the Native Americans. Like we know that would not happen. That's the thing. I mean, but I, I feel like, like, a, like most people, I know Cornell West has said, like, you know, he used to agree with a two-state solution. Um, I used to agree with the two-state solution until I was educated about it, like two years ago, by Palestinian the Palestinian network, when they came onto RBN, that's when I realized, oh, wow, okay, I was way off. But um, I know some people like Cornell West said that the two-state solution would not work now. Like, yeah, he, so. I think he leans more towards a one-state solution. Go ahead, Eric, and I'll bring you back in, Ashura. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, again, it, it kind of, I guess I, I worry about getting too caught up in you know whether it's one or two or whatnot it's like it's it's it, it we get kind of it feels like it just feels impossible right now and you know and the reason it feels impossible is is because we're so far away from justice for the palestinians but here's the thing eric it was only it was already one country because if they really, some people joked about it, I think in the comment section, I think it was on Kit's channel. If they really wanted to give them a place to go, they want to give them a home, give them fucking Germany. It was Germany that started to fuck them up. Give them Nazi Germany. They could have right, just the up, up, applied the same fucking shit they learned. Because I was talking to Dwayne, and <laughs> Dwayne was trying to put me into 
Judaism school or fucking Judaism school, and I'm like, right, Dwayne, I don't know much about those all those Jew names you're giving me, Ashkenazi Jews. As as he basically brought those the name, he brought it down. I was like, why is the fucking name? Why is Nazi in Ashkenazi? <laughs> I don't know how you got there, <laughs> sure, but that was no, quite no, a journey. No, no, like it's like he was bringing little <laughs> bunch of names, and I'm like, I'm watching it, and he basically wrote it down. I'm like, why is the name Nazi in Ashkenazi? Yeah, he just put it in the chat. Yeah, right. I never thought what of that. But, I'm yeah. like, the fuck? I'm <laughs> like, the fuck? So, so the Nazis <laughs> fucked you up, and then you go around and adopt same Nazi logic. You went from the oppressed to the oppressor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, money and power. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I've heard that before by people saying, like, why didn't they give them land in Germany? Yeah, I'm like or in any part of Europe. Yeah, remember, I'm like yeah. It was Britain. It was Britain though that made the decision. Britain were the ones that and from what I understand before they selected Palestine, they were also looking at other places like Uganda, like in Africa. So essentially what Britain really wanted to do is they wanted them to go to they wanted them to go to land where there were people of color. They were basically wanting them to take land away from people of color. Because that's the thing, because to the point that you just made, the the Holocaust and like those acts and stuff were committed in Europe. Yeah. But they basically sought out like Palestine and basically said, oh, this place is, is open, but it was not open. There were people already there, obviously. It was that it's it's like that bullshit that the right winger said on uh on CNN that got him fired. Um he was a he was a spokesperson. What was his name? Rick, Rick, Rick Santorum? Yeah, that was Rick Santorum. When he brought up the bullshit about North America, he said, oh, America had no culture until white people showed up. I'm like, really, nigga? I'm like, really? Like, the, the you mean the trees just carved themselves out like looking like fucking bears? Somebody carved the trees up making like bear statues, totem poles. They didn't make themselves. Mm, I mean, it's it's... Uh, these are just, it's just ignorance, Ashura. I remember. Here's something else to consider, Ashura. The project to establish a Jewish state was already afloat before the Holocaust. So the idea that, you know, people tie the creation of Israel to the Holocaust because the Holocaust was such an atrocity and after the Holocaust, the whole ideology gained steam. But there was a effort to establish and there were, you know, Jews living in Palestine before the whole Holocaust thing jumped off. Yeah, so yeah. it's, you know, so it's not just a direct connect thing. There was always that ideology but when you really consider it at the at the foundation, it is an extremely racist concept. We live in a world where everybody at this point, due to transportation, is living everywhere. For you to establish a state that says this group of people is first class and have rights and a primacy that supersedes every other group in this in this location that's bound to fail you have to if you're trying to be a truly 
a multicultural and diverse democracy, you have to open it up for everybody. And the reality is the Jewish people who were living in Palestine before the creation of Israel, the state, they were living together. They were already doing the thing. So yeah. I think we can't lose sight of that. And if we perceive that as impossible or too big of an ask or too far to reach, we lose because that's just a failed project. Because I was watching multiple documents on it, and they said that, too. There were multiple types of Jews and Arabs were living together. And all of a sudden, these white white European Jews shows up, and they decided to chase everybody else. They said, get out of here. This is our shit. And then they 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 didn't uh, they didn't think they they can cut off the place and then they went after like the Golden Heights I thought that was part of uh your um Israel but it turns out that was like Lebanon I think it's Lebanon the Golden Heights the one that's named after Donald Trump. Um. Well, I think the point to get across is the fact that this is gonna. The impression that I got from the Palestinian network was the fact that the goal was never to stop at Palestine. The goal was to spread to places like Jordan as well. So, so that's the thing is like the, the goal was to, to spread Zionism. Okay. Just what was Israel and Palestine. Yeah. Cause I, I always assumed that, uh, they were two separate countries. Even there were there are songs in Haiti. They talk about Israel, and I'm like, I always thought it was two countries. It turns out it was just one country. The country is is Palestine. Yeah. It's Palestine. Like so, when I interviewed Miko Palid, Miko said he still calls it Palestine. He does not call it Israel at all. He refuses to. So, <laughs> yeah. So the the country is was is was Palestine, and then when when they settled in reference to when the Zionism movement started and they settled there, then they were like, okay, well, this is going to be Israel. And then it spread. So there's those maps that you can see that shows like how it spread and Palestine became smaller and smaller. And then you ended up with Gaza and you ended up with the West bank, like that kind of thing. And that's another thing I want to put across. It's really important to understand is that Gaza is not a separate country. Just because you put a fence around an area, that doesn't make it a border. So that was another thing that has also been debunked that we covered as well. But the goal was to spread. The goal was not just to acquire Palestine. And I think I'm going to find that video on um, RBN because I think it's been almost two years. I'm going to find that video on RBN when the Palestinian network came on and they, they broke this down. Yeah, because that's the funny part, because they call a fence a border. Well, okay, if the fence is the border, then why are you invading another country? Quotation, another country. Why are you occupying it? Because they see the land as theirs. They see the Palestinian, because they see the Palestinian people as the invaders. And they see that this is our land. This is where we're supposed to be. This is the holy land. So that's a good point that you made. How can, if they consider it to be another country, how can they just invade another country? Because like, they don't, they don't want them there. They want all of that land. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry about the, the group thing. I, I, I was going to send you like this multiple clips that like you and Roger, <laughs> apparently I put you in a group. 
and you left? Oh, and- yeah, I was out of there, man. I, was out- <laughs> I said, oh, hell no. I said, I know what Sherry put me in another DM. I said, I'm out of here, man. I'm like, I'm like, Lucy told me, oh, no, uh, she doesn't like being in groups. I'm like, what? She's a group? No, I thought I sent the message separately to everybody else. I'm like, apparently, Yo, and I said, as soon no, as that shit. As soon as it's, it showed me that I was added to the, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm out. <laughs> because I don't know. Like, I just, that's something I feel like Twitter needs to change. They need to make it so that you can actually accept whether or not you want to be in a group. And I, I don't like that. Like, even people I don't even know, they'll just add me to DM groups. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even know anybody <laughs> in this group. Yeah, uh, I wanted to show you that video, that guy, that uh, comedian that was roasting Pierce Morgan, and he did it so he did it so funny. Like he, the, the jokes were so funny because Pierce Morgan was like, I think it was boiling. There's a point where he said like, "Oh, um, I want to kill my wife, but I can't do it. Every time I do, she comes back. She's like a cockroach." And then he says, "I I want to kill her, but she uses my kids as a shield." I'm like, this guy was gold, and he basically bodied him to the point where. Jeff Morgan had to bring on, um, I think it was Ben Shapiro's uh, business partner to somehow basically make make Ben Shapiro out not to be a monster. Roger, you're, you've got to echo. Yeah, Roger, can you mute for just a second? Sorry. I'm going to leave and then go on my computer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because okay. that was funny because this guy was... Well, Lucy told me like <laughs> Lucy told me that this guy was basically uh, popular during the, the Arab Spring thing, but I, I find it like it's it's very funny the way he basically bodied him with all the bullshit that they said around, and he 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 ba- he basically made Pierce look like a joke to the point where he had to get Ben Shapiro's business partner to save his ass. I was gonna talk about it, but unfortunately, like. I'm not sure about Piers Morgan. That might be copyright. So oh, yeah. oh, that's why I didn't talk about it. Yeah, but it was, it was pretty up. interesting. Thank you for bringing, bringing that shit up because I don't know what the fuck happened on your stream. Once you're streaming, I'm like, shit, they got Sabrina. See, I got Sabrina. They must, somebody bust on the door. They shut down. The shit. Like, no, babe, we're arresting you. <laughs> no, um, I explained this earlier tonight. It was the Russell Brand clip. So you can't play so rumble so just fyi to everybody rumble now officially has the rights to russell brand's content whether it's on youtube or whether it's on rumble does that, that wasn't that wasn't the case before but does now that, that is the case does that apply to people like uh jimmy uh kim Irison too on their youtube channels i don't know if jimmy has a contract a specialized contract with rumble i think he doesn't because the people who have the contracts typically don't do live streams on youtube they do live streams on rumble and then they'll put a clip from the live stream onto youtube so i don't think that jimmy does um but i would guess with kim and glenn they would probably fall in that boat too because i got another if they know about it huh I wonder if they know that this is going on, or even if Russell Brand knows. It's the user. To, like, it's the user's want- choice. On Rumble, it's the user's choice. Like when you, whenever you stream and you you go on Rumble to set up your stream, you have the option of how you want to set up the monetization 
and whether or not you want it to be rumble specific or if you want it to be used to cross being able to access the other stuff. So that's another what thing. What I mean I is the to. copyright part. I, I wonder if, if Russell Brand knows that something has changed. Yeah, and... he has He has to know because he has to do it. So in, mm. in Rumble, this is the thing that's a little bit different. Um, in Rumble, like when you do a stream or videos for Rumble, you have the option whether or not to select if you want Rumble to basically own the rights to that content or if you want any other platform to or yourself basically to own the rights to the content. So that's what I'm saying. Russell Brand has to go in and actually do that himself. So that means yeah. that now Rumble owns the rights to his content. And that didn't happen until after, obviously after YouTube demonetized his channel. So this all makes sense now, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he definitely knows. Um, and this is one of those things you just find out, you know, as you, as you go along, if you try to like play one of his videos or whatever, but in YouTube, you don't have that option with YouTube. There's no option to allow YouTube to own, like select this to allow YouTube to own the rights or select this for you to own. That doesn't exist, but with rumble, it does. So, I just wonder if he knows because the, the, the effect of this is that nobody's going to talk about him anymore. You, you can't cover well, him he, now. He knows because he chose to do it. Like it tells you. But like, I wonder if he really realizes the effect of this and is that you and and anyone else on YouTube now is just not going to talk about him, not going to cover cover his clips. I mean, it, it spelled like when you check that box, like on Rumble, it tells you exactly what you're doing. So it, it spells it out for you, which is that you can't like, that's the thing. So he can still put the video on YouTube. But again, like Rumble owns the rights to it. It is copyrighted by Rumble, which means that nobody else can use that content. So it's it's. It's tricky. This is the one thing about Rumble that I really don't like is the fact that that part for some people is a problem. Go ahead, Ashura. Yeah, uh, about the Bree thing. I find it hypocritical that people, the Daily Beast, I think it's owned by uh, Chelsea Clinton, right? Oh, hold on. Another thing I meant to tell you guys, too. Also, Tucker Carlson's Twitter show. Also copyrighted? That's also copyright now. Oh, fuck. Yep. So, okay, go ahead. Sorry. So if you have a million sub, are you safe from the copyright or it's, no, you're not? No, copyright isn't based on how many subscribers you have. Okay. Copyright is just like if, it's just like if you, um, how can I say this? It's just like if um, I decided to play a clip from a movie on Netflix. It doesn't matter how many subscribers I have. Netflix owns copyright, and I can't play material from Netflix. Okay. So let's so try to circumvent it. Let's say he made a video today, and you can't play the clip, but you do like a, a, a resume of it. I just want to say on the on the on the with the copyright, it is possible for YouTube to tune their algorithm so that it is 
it, it does factor in the number of subs and the size of the channel. Now, I'm not saying they do this, but I'm saying it is quite possible that they could tweak the algorithm. So it says, oh, if it's a big channel, if it's a channel that's on the corporate algorithm, then, oh, well, we give them more leeway or we have a human come in and look at it or something. So that yeah, also but, would be happening. Whereas a small the channel, is, they just hit. For the, the thing is, the big channels, for the most part, don't stream. Most of us get hit with the copyright while we're doing live streams. So that's the thing. If you're you're playing that while you're streaming, sometimes you can get away with like finishing the stream. Sometimes you can't like those suspended or whatever, depending on how long you stay on it. But the thing is, most of those big channels like a breaking points, uh, rising news nation, again, rising and news nation, they are they're corporate. They're not independent. They're channels within YouTube. So they can probably get they can get away with a little bit more but even when it comes to the copyright i've even heard brie say herself we can't play something such as such on here so that's the thing the copyright is not coming from youtube the copyright comes from the person who owns the material well it's it's in youtube's system i mean they, they're they're gonna have the algorithm and then as the way the system I would think is set up is that the person who claims to be the copyright owner would submit that or say in some fashion that they're the copyright owner or the stuff, you know, from rumble, you know, comes in and, and, and yeah, if they're, if they're the shows that are not live, then yeah, they'll see it when they do the upload and right. they can fix it and not get into trouble because it'll just right. say, Oh, that's got copyright. And so, but the live stream, yeah, you just get whacked. Yeah, and with the exception of Jimmy Dore show, the larger channels, for the most part, don't do live streams. And Amanda's asking, can you ask the copyright owner's permission? I mean... No, no, you, a, that's, that's not how yeah, it works, not on YouTube. Yeah, because the, you the thing don't is, have the opportunity it, to really do that live. No, you can't. It's but, like... If I own a song, like it, let's use music because music is the one that usually gets people copyright strikes. Just keeping it real. This is the one that it hits a lot of people, whether you do media, whether you do vlogs or anything like that. So what will happen is sometimes people will think that because there's a song on YouTube or a video on YouTube, they think that because it's on YouTube, they can go ahead and play it. You can't it's still copyrighted by the artist, right? So I can't play. And let me show you another thing people get around. One of the things that Brittany told me, like so before Brittany passed away, one of the things that she used to do, there's actually like these other songs that kind of sound like the artist, but it's not the same artist. So she would play like songs in the background and people would think that that was actually the artist who sings the song, but it's not. Like, it's just basically for people who want to stream and do that kind of stuff. But do what? Covers. If it's a cover of a song, yeah. you know, the artist yeah. doing a cover, you can yeah. play that. And so one of the things that people had asked me before, like, well, what about the people who do movie movie reviews? How do they get around that? So the movie review people, that one is really a headache. Because if you guys notice, those people don't really live stream. So what they have to do is they have to create the video, upload the video just for it to be rejected. Then they have to file a repeat, an appeal and say, this is a reaction video. That's how they get around it. But even with them, they can't really play much 
Like if they were to play like two minutes from a movie or a TV show, that still wouldn't pass the copyright test. It's it's really annoying because the way that I see it is like if it is already on YouTube, that should be considered fair use. That's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, it's well, the part of the thing here is that YouTube is just doing arbitrary rules and arbitrary enforcement. They're they're the judge, jury and executioner. The the way if this was done as a legal matter, what could what should and could happen what should happen is that the copyright owner would have would have to inform you of the infringement and potentially sue you or or hit you with some kind of papers or some kind of action and they also should have to make the case that it hurts them financially but and that would be actual due process for copyright and fair use and all this but we have this system where youtube just um, controls and runs everything, and it really doesn't matter what the law says. It's just you, the law of YouTube. But in YouTube, another thing I want to make very clear: when there's a difference between copyright strike and copyright claim, a copyright claim means that someone else has claimed to own the content, but they allow people to use it. So you may get a copyright claim and it says someone has owns this content, but they allow people to use it. But the monetization for the video goes to the owner. So any ad revenue that's made on the video will go to the owner. Your stream, your video will be demonetized. But um, for yourself or wait a minute. No, let me take that back. Either your stream will be demonetized and you won't make any ad revenue or your stream will still be monetized but the monetization will go to the person who owns that content. So that's a copyright claim. A copyright strike, that's when the person who owns the content does not allow anyone to use that content unless they own the license to it. So for example, the vid, the, the song that plays at the end of every live stream that I have, that do 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 so that song is by ben sound that song used to be one of the free fair use songs for youtube last year ben sound decided not to allow his music to be fair use anymore so i had to actually purchase the license otherwise every single stream and video that i have done would have been hit because that's at the end of the video. So I purchased the license for that song. And I'm saying this because if somebody else tries to play part of my stream, at least the end of it, they're going to get hit. And that's yeah. one of the things people may not realize. They're like, well, Sabrina played this on her stream, but Sabrina owns the license. <laughs> that's what people don't realize. The license was like 30 bucks. It wasn't expensive, but I'm just saying that like I had to do that in order for them not to demonetize all of my streams because they would have demonetized all of them because Ben Sound said you can't use my songs for free anymore. That can artists can do that anytime. That's why some people don't use music at all. Capitalism baby. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fucking crazy. It's crazy. So that's that's another thing. But most people I know that have gotten copyright strikes, it's usually been because of music. 
But go ahead, Ashura. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, about the Brie thing, I'm like, I find it ridiculous. She's getting so much fucking smoke over that shit. Even though when they, they, they when you read the article, said, oh, she was being, uh, she was being loud. She's being angry. I'm like, are we watching? Did we watch the same fucking video? Did you not know who was being loud? Who was losing their fucking temper? Was Robbie right there? The book where Robbie almost called her a fascist. <laughs> and he, he almost called her a fascist. He just he had to stop himself. And he basically said, you people. And you were, you were, questioning, you were questioning whether he said fat. fat. And he was like, there's no way he would say fat. Fat, that made no sense. I was like, was he the about to say fat or fat? No, no, fascist. That, that was the word fascist. There was no way saying fat makes no goddamn sense in that in that context. The fascism makes sense. So he had to stop himself. So this idea that libertarians or they're pro they're, they're pro uh riots, that kind of shit, they're they're just Republican. They're Republicans, they're light, but they'll repeat the same bullshit. Yep. And uh for the uh think about the What's it? The, what's his name again? Uh, Jose, Jose, and uh, Jose, uh and Russell Dubu something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like somebody's gonna get mad by that thumbnail. Somebody is not in that thumbnail. It's Russell. <laughs> because I saw Russell, I'm like, who invited? Uh, who invited John Oliver? I didn't put Russell's picture in the thumbnail because Russell is not his face is not shown in the video which means i didn't know for sure if russell actually wanted his face shown oh they, they had a video right after the the clip they did the clip on their channel uh, they did an open video and russell looked like an older version of uh john oliver because remind the reason why i thought that because i remember that even with that clip and people made fun of it they called about jimmy Dore's dad It reminded me of that. I'm like, he looks like an older version of John Oliver. Jimmy Dore's but, dad? Yeah, you don't remember that clip? The one when they made fun of a, a guy, and you and they said that he looks like Jimmy Dore's dad, and you said you just couldn't look at the video the same way again, because every time you, th- you thought about the video, the, the picture, you couldn't stop laughing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, Russell looked like an older version of John Oliver when I saw him there. I think probably the reason why he wasn't on the video was that um, he was filming. It was probably him and, and Jose, and then Jose got dragged out, so the, he didn't have a cameraman anymore. <laughs> I think he just had well, to probably record it himself. Yeah, mean, I guess. but I can't make those assumptions because the thing is, I have done this before, where someone, that guy that confronted Ilhan Omar, and I had his picture up, and he contacted me and asked me to please remove him because he didn't want to lose his job. I remember that was like a big deal. So I had to go back into YouTube, use that blur tool and blur him out in that video because he was really afraid that his boss, this was going to get around to his boss and he was going to get fired. And I also warned him. I said, I just want to let you know, I took care of it on my end, but that video is all over social media. It's been shared multiple times on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere. It's on TikTok. So you're gonna have to reach out to a lot of people. Well, I don't. I, if I were you, I would. I wouldn't have basically blurred his face because if it's on social media, there's nothing he can do. You have to come actually, up with a twin that's brother. not true. He can actually. He what he can do if I didn't respond to his request via email and go ahead and take care of it. 
what he can actually do is there's a privacy clause on YouTube and you can submit a privacy complaint and then YouTube will have you take the entire thing down or you'll get hit with a penalty. Ashura, he looks yeah. more like, I said, um, he looks more like, uh, what's his name? Danny Aiello. I call him Danny Aiello. Oh, uh, you mean Russell? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, when he looked, at, when he had the, the what he called it his shit lip disguise, he looked more like an older version, a wrinkled version of John Oliver. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, for the Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green thing, oh what a what a goddamn goddamn actress! I know we say AOC's the actress, but this woman is looking to be number one. AOC got bumped down. The fact that a bunch of people are dancing, cheering, free Palestine. This woman's like, oh my God, the Capitol is under attack. I'm like, the journalist didn't look scared. I mean, the journalists were there. They were filming upstairs. I mean, the guy with the giant, um, the giant flag, uh, Israel flag, the fake state of Israel. I mean, he 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 basically was waving the flag. He was waving that flag. I don't, I didn't see him basically panicking. And she was like, oh my God, we need to call the FBI. We need to call the police. Oh my God! They're 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 ba- they're basically uh they're in the capital. I'm I'm sorry. Like what the fuck are they they're dancing? Like why they, you don't see them basically rushing the upper floors? Like they, they, she she was just being so hysterical. And when she, when she was talking about the Ukraine thing about uh, Joe Biden doesn't have money for baby formula, you know what she did afterwards? She basically voted against baby formula. I I, to, I told you guys, this is why a lot of people don't take her seriously, because she may sound good on an issue when it it goes against, you know, like her political views. Like she may sound good. Like, for example, when she says no more money to Ukraine, like that actually is a good position. But she doesn't mean no more money towards period. She doesn't mean, you know, she says she stands by Israel and we have to protect Israel. So this is what I'm saying, like, all you have to do is change the country to Israel or China, and you'll see where some of the people who are, quote unquote, they say that they're, uh, you know, they're Republicans, but they say that they're against the wars. They're not against the wars. They're just against the war in Ukraine. And when you change the country, you see the difference. Same thing with the protesters. She was totally fine with the Black Lives Matter protesters, but the moment it's people, excuse me, uh, the January 6th protesters. Yeah. But the moment that it's people protesting, and again, you got to ask, who are they defending? When it's people protesting to defend marginalized groups, she's against it and she says that they're violent people. That's why I said these people are not fucking consistent. And this is why I didn't like when some people on the left were saying that, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is to the left of AOC. She's more based than AOC. And da, da, da. I'm like, no, she's not. Like these people are fucking playing you. All you have to do is change the country or change the organization that's protesting, and you'll see that they're not consistent. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I just found it hysterical, and she was like tweeting shit, and and like she shouldn't be taken seriously. Like she wants to go debate LLC. Go ahead. I want to see who, which is the debate, who's the best actress. She seems to be beating her very, very nicely. She tagged the fucking FBI, the same woman saying abolish the FBI because they were coming after Donald Trump. The same woman who said that the moment it was, you know, protesters defending Palestinians, all of a sudden it was, let me tag FBI, FBI alert. Let me write a letter. 
the yeah, fuck out of here, man. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, when it comes to the January 6th thing, I mean, I would say the people who were walking around who didn't do shit, I mean, you can let them go, but the ones who smash shit, who stole shit, uh, do whatever that you want with those guys. But um, did you ever see the clip? What do, like, the, that, what do you do with the 20% of them that are feds on <laughs> January 6th? We, we both know we both know we're never gonna fight these fans. Like we know one of them, Ray Epps, that guy never that's guy's nowhere, he's nowhere to be seen. His name got um, stricken out. I hate to tell you guys this, but a friend of mine had posted on Facebook that one of the women that was one of the one of the rioters, like whatever, January sixth, one of the ones that actually stormed the Capitol building, she posted it on Facebook and her picture and everything and I said, I can't believe my former teeth. That was her teacher. I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, people, people, you don't know which what people's political views are so until you basically see it later on. I mean, it could be you could it could have been your teacher if you saw them there, bruh. And uh, well, just, they'll be oh. saying the same thing about us when we go to protests, you know. And there'll be some right winger. Oh, look this this person I knew. I can't believe they they went to that Palestinian rights protest. Yeah, I mean, don't like protesters. Did you know if it, if Japan didn't do any uh, protests for the Palestinians, because well, you're showing all these other other these uh, other countries, Canada. I I don't see it around my 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 city or this across Gatna, Ottawa. I don't see it. But uh, I know I like how the French did it. Like I don't know if they they gave the order not to protest the uh, the day before or the day after. But they came out without giving two fucks about Macron. <laughs> France is like the moment Macron says don't do something. France is like we're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna do it. And, and, and a couple of people got arrested, but there's no fucking way the police were gonna uh, uh, arrest a swarm of those people. A swarm. And I think this other country kind of was number two on it. It was, I think, it was with some some country in the, in Europe in Europe. Forgot what it was, but well, the UK all... didn't didn't London have a huge protest? No, it wasn't yeah. London. It was some other European. Well, there was a huge one there, but yeah, because the French one is like they were all they were all saying we are Palestinians in French, and they didn't give two shits on this dude. <laughs> and Macron is probably not going to be there for long. I think we should see it as a as a as a really positive thing, as a sign of hope. I mean, would would any of us really have thought? a few months ago that that we would be seeing you know world not only worldwide protests in favor of palestinian rights and and, and palestinians not getting slaughtered but even protests in um all over the u.s um would we have thought you know even in boston like <laughs> you don't see these got a protest much in boston and and sabrina and i like we, we went to this thing and it was like all of a sudden there's like these thousands of people here it was it was amazing well and, yeah because because for and, me i i hope this protest for peace I, and, and this one in 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 that in that congress building i mean you know that was a, a freaking great protest <laughs> you know that's it, the positive side it goes to show you um what i was what yeah what i was saying before um eric but national movements they just pop up you can't control them. It is so organic. All it takes is one thing to, to happen. And then all of a sudden, like, this is the this is the second biggest thing since George Floyd protests. 
You know, it's like how many brothers been killed by cops before? But it took George Floyd spark, yeah. to spark it. And just like with this, you know, it took the Hamas attack to spark it. But sure, I just wanted to say this real quick. Well, actually, Sabrina, really. Now we know, you're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now we know where Ali Belshi went. That guy that protested next to her, I'm like, is that Ali Belshi? I got was caught. Him? No, I was just joking. But oh. I was making a joke. <laughs> it went right over your head. I said, oh, okay, so that's what the way Ali Belshi did. One, <laughs> one thing I did find funny where the Rachel Maddow was, I was like, is that 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 guy? I, before I even noticed it, I'm like that guy looks like Ben Stiller. It can't be him. He's just look alike. And then I turn around. Oh fuck! They focus on <laughs> it's Ben Stiller. I'm like, he's <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the Russiagate shit. I mean, I I hear he's Jewish. So all these Hollywood people must be so fucking brainwashed on the Jewish shit. Yeah. They don't even look at the history of the Jewish stuff. Like like that guy that you showed up the the guy who's the son of the general and it took a family member to be murdered by Hamas for him to finally just snap and just not really snap like crazy but just snap out of the the trance that they've been putting them under for years. It's like when right wingers try to bullshit on history and they they try to rewrite everything until until you finally realize oh shit this country was lying to me all along. You know, I think everyone has like their their wake up call, right? Yeah. And and to be a general son and to wake up from all this, that's very telling. Yeah, because the this guy seems genuine. This is why, to me, I say I'd rather the one state solution, and you bring him home, and you rename Palestine for what it is, and have just people work out the differences. And go and basically go back home because there was I was watching multiple videos on Palestine. The old cities, they're basically they, it's a ghost town. Nobody's living there. Just a small group of people, complete ghost town. I'm like, why the fuck did you chase them out then? You're not even living there. Mm. On top of that, um, I have been Sabrina. I have been trying to um get like because you know like because you don't you don't read like the questions when you have guests or whatever um but i've been trying to get you to ask um cornell west because cornell west knows every freaking body um (laughs) i've been trying to get you to ask him if he can ask charles Barron um to come on your show for an interview so yeah, I told you who Charles Barron was before. You remember? Yeah, I can ask. Sure, if, if you could get in contact with him because he lost his primary. So, but I mean, like I said, Charles Barron was talking about all this stuff. I mean, if you like, okay, Ajamu Baraka, then I mean, Charles, I mean, Charles Barron was, let me tell you something. Charles Barron was talking, talking about, uh, the Palestinian issue before the Palestinian issue for years, uh, decades. I mean, he's an original Black Panther, so you know Black Panther mm-hmm. of uh, New York in New York City. So he was talking all like all the stuff that you guys talk about on RBN. He 
he'd been talking about it for decades. Um, and, you know, he, he used to do things like, remember when Joe Wilson, the, um, what's his, uh, the congressman from South Carolina said, you lie to, to Obama. <laughs> oh, yeah. Charles, Charles Barron used to do that to Cuomo all the time. I'm just all. laughing because after that, I feel like I never heard of that guy again. Yeah, he, he probably was gone. Oh, by no, the way, that's South Carolina. But the thing, the thing is, is that he used to have to be carried out. He would go up to the podium and shouting uh, Cuomo down. You have left the black people of Brownsville uh, um, poor and blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. And they'd be like talking over each other and they'd have to like escort them out and whatnot. I'm an assembly member, God damn it, blah, 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 blah. But he used to, he used to like, he, you know um, how Hakeem Jeffries, I told you the story about how, how Hakeem Jeffries got that congressional seat, right? Yeah, but did you didn't tell everybody else. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> con- Congressman, no, my bad, not Congressman. Um, when that seat was open, I don't know, 2010, I forgot when it was. When that congressional seat was open and the person who was retiring, Charles Barron, because um, him, him and his wife, this is so funny. They're both retiring now, but for decades, what they would do is they would they would like switch. Like his his wife Inez would be in the city council, New York City Council, and he would be an assembly person. And then every like few years, they would switch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And because because you know they, they were beloved in the neighborhood. I mean, he was looking out for black people. So he wasn't just like. I mean, he was very, very radical. And there was really no need for him to speak on Palestine, but he, he's always uh, spoke on it, right? So what happened was, um, I forgot, I, I don't know exactly what he said, uh, but he, he had said something like, um, he said something in regards to um, Palestine, right? So in the, in the congressional race, here you come, I don't know if this was a setup, but here you come, freaking David Duke, all the way from Georgia, saying, "Hey, Charles Barron is right. Uh, the Jews need to get out of power." He he said something and something that Charles Barron didn't necessarily say, but he made it sound as if um, Charles Barron was being anti-Semitic. And then and then Hakeem Jeffries, who was running for that open seat, said, "Oh, Charles Barron, the Black Panther, agrees with David Duke, the Ku Klux Klan member." Yeah. What if, what, if, what if Jeffrey was the one who brought him in? That's what I was thinking. And, you know, it, it really, it, it fucked up his campaign. And he, he like, every once in a while, he still feels kind of burnt about that. It's like, did that motherfucker did that shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's how Hakeem Jeffries got that seat. Because Charles Barron was going to win it. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's fucked up how you say that story. It, took some, it takes a clan member to go in there. And fuck up the entire thing that Hakeem Jeffrey was gonna was gonna lose. You know what? You guys are cracking me up because um, I just saw a flyer a couple of days ago. It was David Duke. I'm not kidding. It was David Duke and a black guy. I was not familiar with who this dude was. And they were they were hosting, trying to host some type of a seminar where and it said Klan member and black radical come together. To remove Jewish people. I was like, what the hell is this shit? 
Oh, that's even worse. How? Wait a minute. Are you sure that wasn't like? You sure it wasn't Charles Barron and they was trying to smear him? How old is that? Uh, I saw this maybe two weeks ago. I mean, how old was this this thing, this this flyer or whatever? Two weeks ago. Oh, oh, so it was only two weeks. Mm. I don't know. I don't remember if it was Charles Barron or not. Hold on, let me see. You guys keep talking. I'm gonna look it up because I, I remember who shared it. Yeah, Charles Barron. As you're listening, since you don't have that much, that many people in the chat today, I don't know why. You got a good stream. So check this out. New, uh, according to the New York Post, because you know that how much the, the New York, you know, who the New York Post sides with. New York City politician Charles Barron blames Israel for Hamas attack at council meeting. Free Palestine. And uh, how, how does people not know that basically Hamas was created by by Israel, just like the United States creates all the fucking all the terrorist groups around the world. I'm gonna put this in the um just check this out. I'm gonna put this in the thing. Because the most ch- people are not watching mainstream media, most people are not paying attention to this stuff. Um hold up, hold up, hold up. So was was this a real event? Oh yeah, I did so there was an event called Protect the First Amendment Rally. That was October 2nd. I don't know if it's still there or not. Let me see. So what are your thoughts on that, Sabrina? Do you think you want to go to another uh, protest with um, the uh, libertarians? Or no. Right, knowing that they're just going to turn around and no. just another war and not stick to what they believe in? No, because I'm sorry, but they've shown their whole ass, man. Like, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, look, as soon as we change the countries, now all of a sudden you guys are like, well, we have to stand by them. Now, what the fuck are you talking about? I thought you guys were supposed to be against this, this, these wars and conflict anyway. Yeah, so. I found it. I found it. Okay. It's because Twitter tried to hide it, but I found it. Can black people and white people work together to defeat our common enemy? It is David Duke and Ayo Kamathi. And it was September 11th, Monday, September 11th. So it already happened. I mean, you, uh, you could have put, you could have taken anybody else, a rando, but you chose the Klansman, David Duke. That's probably a famous name. Listen, this, this shit is wild. This guy, A.O. Kamathi, a uh, black radical leader, it says. So he's, yeah, and he did this thing with David Duke, and it says, never retreat, never surrender. I said, is this shit for real? Well, we did, I mean, Malcolm X did meet with the Klan. Yeah, but he didn't join them. Exactly. Are you saying that he joined them? That that this person Amali Kafafi, whatever his no, name. No, no, is. I'm not saying he joined them. I, I'm not saying I, I don't have the article with me. I'm just saying he didn't join hand with them. But this guy thinking that he can join with David Duke. I mean, I, I wonder if David Duke is pro Palestinian. I don't think he's pro Palestinian. He might. Does David Duke even know that Palestinians are Semitic people? 
probably not. Probably not. <laughs> if, he that, if he found that out, he'd probably be agreeing with the whole bomb Gaza shit. And uh, I'm going to end with this. It's, they're probably going to have Jenny waiting in the, in the wing. I was talking to a one of my you know security guards. They tend to be on the computer. And one of them, he's an He's 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 one of the he's not old he's probably in his sixties and I was talking to him about it about the thing with the Palestinian stuff and I, I was doing the history and I told him about how what the fuck's going on and he's like well uh, they, they should have based it, it was happening in World War Two so it was their business that uh, because they didn't fight into in the war in World War Two for the British therefore. They deserve to be colonized because they were losers. I'm like, they didn't participate in the war. So he basically looked dumb when he when he thought about it because he was just talking shit out of his ass because he didn't know he didn't do anything. He doesn't basically what do any history. He just watches just watches like right wing news and basically posts. He like shows me when Democrats are just you know, they're just trashing Democrats. And I'm like, well. They didn't. They didn't participate in the war. They just the, the 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 settler just walked in. They just gave them the land, and they just got their shit taken over. And plus, they got the weapons. So so I I I I, I explained that to him. He's like he wasn't interested. The next day, there's an Italian guy. He's a security guard. And he said uh, he was he was talking about the Palestinian thing with me. I'm like, and I explained him what happened with the previous security guard. He's like. Don't talk about that kind of stuff to you know Canadians. Uh, they don't care about that shit. And the guy's Italian, and he's telling me they don't want to know about history. Like because that stuff, don't talk to them about it. They're not interested. They don't care about the Palestinians. Oh, yo, let me say something real quick. So this was such a fucking gimmick, okay? So I <laughs> looked this up. This was a gimmick. So what they did. Is these mofos, they put David Duke on the flyer with I.A. Kamathe. I.A. Kamathe is actually in the stream, in the video. Uh But then the other guy with him in the video is Dave Gahari. David Duke ain't in this, ain't, ain't a part of this. Wow. False advertising motherfuckers. So check this out. I have it right here. The 2012 congressional campaign. Barron announced that he would seek the 2012 Democratic nomination for the House seat due to the retirement of the long-term incumbent, Adephis Towns. By mid-June 2012, candidate Hakeem Jeffries had raised $700,000 in campaign donations compared to Barron's $50,000. Towns um, gave Barron a surprise endorsement. But Barron was publicly embarrassed when David Duke made a video where he endorsed Barron over Jeffries, stating that he liked Barron's anti-Israel views and making racial slurs towards Jeffries. Barron tried to deflect Duke's unwelcome praise, but the news was widely circulated by Jeffries supporters, who were amused that Barron couldn't really counter Duke's endorsement because they did share some common beliefs. On June 11, 2012, former Mayor Ed Koch, Congressman Jerry Nadler, Councilman David at G. Grenfell, Assemblyman Dove Hitkin, 
gathered with several other elected officials to support Jeffries and denounce Barron. Barron was described as anti-Semitic and his support for Zimbabwe ruler uh, uh, Robert Mugabe and former Libyan ruler Muammar Gaddafi was denounced. Greenfeld described Barron as a true hate monger and an anti-Semite. Barron responded with such attacks had not been raised when he spoke before Jewish groups in Brooklyn and this his and that his constituents were interested in discussing bread and butter issues, not foreign policy. The candidates differed strongly on charter schools. Barron is one of the charter school's strongest critics, while Jeffries endorses them. Barron lost the Democrat nominations to Jeffries, with Jeffries taking 72% for the vote to Barron's 28%. On June 26, 2012, Barron refused to congratulate Jeffries, accusing the accusing the Jeffries campaign of a smear campaign and show a lack of character, he added. They had they had the media, they called us names. The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, he said the white media, because we and we we were endorsed by the Amsterdam News and Black Star News. In case you don't know, the Amsterdam News is a is a black uh publication in Harlem. Uh we it's been around for like decades. We have the Wall Street corporate elite, the Democrat establishment, and the media all against us, but we put the state and nation on notice. Jeffrey stated in his own victory speech that political pundits said that this was going to be a close race, but that was before the people that's, that had spoken. So, yeah. You should get him on your show. I didn't know he he when he was on your show he was on someone's show he said that um, West said he he's known Barron for forty five years. Wow. Okay. Well, I can look into that. Let me bring in Jenny because she's been waiting a minute. Hey, Jenny, what's going on? Just gotta unmute. Hello. Oh no! I hope we didn't lose Jenny. Oh no. Oh man. No Jenny? No? That sucks. Maybe we lost Jenny. Bring it into the thing. Into the Okay, let me try to add her as a speaker because sometimes it that happens. While we're doing that, I'll go ahead and bring in Pat. What's up, Pat? You just have to hit unmute. Hi, Savvy. Hey, how are you? Good. It's the first time for a call in. I've, I've uh, listened to your show many times. Oh, but thank you. First time for the call in. Uh, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a boomer, but uh, basically I wanted to talk about... Uh, the show you did earlier today with JB. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of liked what you were talking about uh, with JB uh, earlier about... Uh, Which one? Let me just tell people because everyone might not know. Um, so before uh, my show, JB and I do the JB and Savvy show on RBN and 
today we we discussed two stories. We talked about what happened to Richie Medhurst. Richie Medhurst made an announcement that he is not going to, he's leaving YouTube, right? So he got hit uh, with demonetization. So we talked about that. And then we talked about, if you have not heard by now, um, the story, the interview with Jada Pekin, where she's come out and basically revealing more things about her relationship with Will. Some things about Tupac that I don't feel were fair because Tupac's not here to defend himself and some other stuff. So Jada's out there getting attention again, just letting everybody know. But go ahead, Pat. Well, that's uh, what I wanted to say is I learned something today from you from listening to that show. Is that I didn't know that they weren't uh, actually, well, that they're still married, but not married, you know. And uh, I thought it was really educational. I got a lot of laughs, too, from watching your show there with JB. And uh, I love your show. I think I think you're great. And I had a question for Roger. Uh, go ahead. I'm here. Yeah, Roger. Um, I live in Minnesota, and we don't have uh, bi. And I know you, Savvy. You talked about it before. How to get a bi going in in a in a state that doesn't have it. But I want to see if Roger could really quickly go over it again, how to establish one. So the, one of my thoughts, because we're not a New York state is not a citizen ballot initiative state as well, even though New York City is and Suffolk County out here in Long Island is. But one of the thoughts, one of the ideas I had that uh, me and Lucy was trying to do um, was I figured that if we if we increase the number of registered voters in New York state and it's in, and, and what helps is if you have an automatic voter registration law, um, which we passed, because what that says is the state will automatically register you to vote and put you under the independent column. When you turn 18, the moment that you interact with the state agency, usually the DMV. Um, and I, so I was figuring that as the independent count goes up, the Democrats are going to start panicking because they're going to take a look. Um, you, also, you got to take a look. I mean, um, black people under 50 are pissed off with the Democrat Party. Oh, I think everybody is. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think anyone's as pissed off as, as, as we are because nobody votes for Democrats at 90-something percent clip like black people do. Okay? Right on. Yeah, I'm 65, and I, I'm I'm pissed off. I'm, I've, I've registered. I, I left the party and registered independent. Right. But who's been carrying the party are um, black women who hail from the civil rights era. Who are now right on, yeah. Who are either silent, mature generation or baby boomers, okay? Right. Seniors, yeah, right. And I, I mean, I don't even know black men who are that generation second, but they don't vote as hard as black women of those two generations. All right, right? for sure. And the and the thing is, is that I mean. The Democrats have been trying to, and I know the maneuver that they're trying to do. They're trying to use um, 
uh, migrants and immigration and all this type of stuff to try to replace us. Okay. Okay. But what's so funny is, well, the Spanish people are are voting Republican anyway. So they don't want to have to deal with us because they know that when our aunts and grandmothers, mom, whatever, when they go to see Jesus, they're going to only black people. They're going to be left with a bunch of pissed off black people. And a lot of them are already beginning to either sit it out, which I encourage them. Don't sit it out for the ballot initiative. At least come out for that. Um, and, or, uh, uh, or they're voting Republican. Or some of them are just voting Trump. They, you know, like I tell Republicans, don't get happy. They might vote for Trump. That means they, that don't mean they voting for you. That you is know, true. Just, I was going to add too. like, I've been talking to people and I'm hearing more people saying that they're just going to sit it out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so I figured that if we increase the, um, um, independent part, it, it's a Democrats in New York state would start panicking and they'll start. So my point is, is to try to, in order to become a ballot initiative state, you have to get the state lawmakers to put a um, a legislative initiative because the most, um, what do you call it? The most, uh, 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 by the way, I just looked, you guys passed automatic voter registration this year in Minnesota. So Great. Yeah. With, with that law, what happens is as the decade, as the years go by, as more high schoolers become 18 years old and become, um, registered independent, you'll start to see the count tick up as the, as the elders go to meet Jesus. You feel what I'm saying? So right then you, you, use the, <laughs> you, use, you use the independent moniker as leverage to try to get, you, you know, my vote is not guaranteed. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right on. Is, I love it. So this is, so, so what I say is, you know, the most common way that state constitutions get amended is the legis- the state lawmakers put a legislative initiative before the voters called the legislative referred constitutional amendment before the voters. Mm-hmm. So when you go to vote and you see that thing asking you a question to um, that's the, that's the your Minnesota legislature asking you to ratify their amendment into the state constitution. But right. you don't have the ability to put your own initiatives on the ballot. Right. You see what I'm saying? I, so, I the, so the way to become that is you have to find some type of pressure to place on the state lawmakers to say, yo, we want a legislative initiative put before us that gives us the ability to place our own initiatives on the ballot to ratify as amendments into our state constitution. Now, here's the thing. You could also do law where you say we want the ability for law also. The problem with law is if it's only law and you pass it, the government can repeal it, change it around and weaken it without having to ask you. But if it's an amendment in the state constitution, now they have to put a, a, a legislative initiative before you asking you, Hey, can we do something with this? Can we repeal it? Can we, you know, that thing that you guys ratified? Can we, can we, you know, repeal it? Can we change it around? You know what I'm saying? So I always say have both, but use the citizen law to pass stuff that doesn't threaten power. But if something that threatens power, like the 
that power being the government or their donors, mm-hmm. ratify that as an amendment. Okay. Something else I was thinking about doing, I was just brainstorming pretty much. I was thinking about maybe forming a political action committee called Empower the People PAC. And there's all these groups across New York State that are like um, Campaign for New York Health Act, Invest in New York, which is a tax the rich thing with tax Wall Street and all these people, uh, and qualified immunity people. New York renews, uh, housing justice for all. And when we would go to Albany, that's our state capital. When we would right. go to Albany, we would take turns on the million dollar staircase and say our thing. We would go and we're all fractured. We're all, but yet with a state that has, where the Democrats have more than a veto proof majority in both chambers with a Democrat governor, which you don't even really need if you got both chambers, we still don't right. have single payer. We still don't have tax the rich, you know, we kind of got it, but we didn't really get it. We we don't have a public bank. We don't have any of it. So I'm like, maybe we should all come together and stop believing in these politicians. Right? All come together with one big demand, form a pack and start running independent candidates that are going to run on putting a an initiative before New Yorkers to vote on, to ratify into the New York State Constitution that gives us the ability to place our own amendments on the ballot. Then after that, we could all break up. You could do your unqualified immunity thing. You could do your New York Health Act thing. You could do your worker cooperative thing. You could do your public bank thing. You know what I mean? So that's a yeah, long like time to but you know. I'm all for the public banking. You know I am. Oh, I like that idea too, yeah. I mean, I know somebody that that is familiar with. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't know the. See, that's the thing. I wouldn't know the first thing about running a pack, but I, I know. I, don't, I think I know a few people who who might or whatever. He told me it's easy to start one, but to really get it up and going and keep it grassroots, you know, that that can be, you know, a bit of a challenge, you know, whatever the case is. But you can't, well, Roger. I really love talking to you. I love picking your brain. You're really knowledgeable. Savvy, I'd love talking to you too. I'm gonna let somebody else uh, go ahead and talk. Um, I just really enjoyed uh, talking with you. Thank you very much. All right, thank you so much, Pat. And let's bring in uh, Jenny. Jenny, you're a speaker. Thanks. So you just have to hit the unmute button. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened before, but it, the p- button didn't pop up. Uh, I'm really glad that Ashura talked about Israel funding Hamas because I believe that's true. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to find that many of those involved in international banking and big war have been funding groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. And so this, you know, notion that if you're for Palestine, you have to be all in with, with the government that's there, I think is a, is a faulty one. And today president Biden promised Hamas, $100 million to go to the victims and Palestinians. He said they promised that they would not spend the money on more guns and bullets and rockets and that it would all go to the people. And I'm, I'm sorry that I'm skeptical, but I am. And then I just want to add in really quick. Yeah, because I'm going to cover, for those who don't know, Joe Biden made an address um, today. Um, I didn't have it in time to cover it tonight, so I'm, I am going to cover it tomorrow. Yeah, but that 
it was it was crazy. Yeah, I'm that gonna... right there just kind of reminds me of like when our federal government kind of like just puts money in the hands of the governors of these different states and they expect that the governors are going to distribute the money to the people like they're supposed to. And that happened like during the pandemic when our federal government relied on the governors of those states to actually distribute the, what was it? The, um, what was it? Help me out, Roger. The The what? Yeah. The, yep. The, the COVID money and expecting that every governor was going to do the right thing. And the problem is some of those governors did not do the right thing. And so there were people complaining, like some of the businesses were like, we didn't get the money. Some of the small businesses were like, we didn't get the money. So what did the governor, like, what did they do with that money? So that's the thing is like, you cannot trust that. I don't care who it is. <laughs> the, the money should always go directly in the hands of those, the, the food, the humanitarian aid or whatever should always go directly in the hands of the people who need it. You don't give it to someone else and say, pass this on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll tell you, Sally, as I watch it, um, Rashida Tlaib yesterday was crying as she was talking about how Hamas is in fact funded by Israel and, and American interests, American big military interests. And I think the reluctance you're talking about with American Palestinians to chime in on any of this is that they understand the way that the people themselves are innocent and have been used as this little ping pong ball to be hit back and forth between these interests as human fodder for the wars. And so uh, I would love to see America do a big outreach to the people say, hey, do you want to come live free? You know, there is a huge Palestinian community in my hometown of Detroit and the people there are thriving. And I think those especially who are just sick of all the fighting and the war and living in their little concentration camp would do well over here. And I think we should be big hearted enough to say, come on over, rebuild your lives if you want to. Um, but I'm really glad that there are people smart enough who call into this show to understand the way that we're all being manipulated by the media and by the stories. And I think most people in the region are aching for peace. One of the women who, who was killed on that first day was a Palestinian activist. She was a Jewish woman, but her family said she had spent decades fighting for Palestinians and their their rights. And so how sad that she was one of the ones who was taken out when she had this big heart for peace. And so um, I applaud Roger and saying, you know, I'm going to stay independent. I'm not going to join a party. I think that's part of the answer to this, the whole thing. You know, we have to get rid of the two party system in America, break the logjam of control they have. I did laugh out loud when the House just voted mostly for Hakeem for speaker. Speaker of the House, you know, he got the most votes, beat Jim Jordan. I know he's not going to be Speaker, but it still kind of struck me as funny. Um, I don't know. I I was thinking about the the story with Brittany, too, and I think it was Tori who called in and talked about how those kids who are part of Disney were really messed with, and I believe that. And so the things that we're seeing right now with Brittany in the media, I'm not surprised at any of it. And I do think there's much more to her story that we need to find out about to just help expose the way so many of our celebrities and the singers, the artists, and people in sports have been manipulated and controlled. I think Kanye called it um, being a well-behaved celebrity. He refused to do that. And 
And the results were he's getting medicated with psychiatric meds and tucked away in a hospital and they, they won't let him see his kids. You know, who's doing that? That all needs to be exposed. Look at what happened to McGowan, like with Hollywood. Like if you don't, Hollywood's just like any other industry, like any other company that I've worked for. Like even in higher ed, if you don't like play their game, it's going to be hard for you to move up. No one's going to promote you just because you're doing a good job. You got to kiss up to the right people. You got to have the right talking points. You got to know well, them. In, in many circles, Savvy, you have to be a card-carrying member of the right. Democrat Party. You think right. about what, what Kanye was doing. He endorsed Trump before the 2016 election during a live concert. That was the unpardonable sin. He, he walked off their plantation, said, I'm going to think for myself. I'm going to vote for who I, I want. I'm going to endorse the person I want. And that was why they had to cancel him. It's maddening. Uh, Jenny. Yeah. We, so, um, one, I would suggest leave that saying to us <laughs> of getting off the plantation. I'm just, I'm just letting you know for, for future. Is it Two, offensive? It could be. You say it to the wrong, you know what I'm saying? You say it to the wrong. She black... listened, she, Jenny, Jenny been listening to Noel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you see, Noel is black. I know. I'm as I'm about as white as it comes. Yeah. See, Noel can say that. Noel is black. Um, but here's here's another thing. You said something before, and I'm trying to get people to stop saying it. They say we need to get rid of the two party system. Saying that sounds like, hey, I want more parties. No, we need to get rid of the party system. That's what the language should be. Abolish. I think that, I think that is better language. Yeah, I was just thinking early. about, like, you know, with the parties and stuff, and I was just thinking about everything that Cornell West said with the Green Party. And I I listened to, you know, when Jesse Ventura came on, he talked about his experience with the Green Party. And it's not just Green Party, but I've also had Larry Sharp came on and he talked about his experience with the Libertarian Party. And so there's been, you know, there's multiple parties. And I just think to myself, like, what when you're a part of a party, like they are going to have certain rules and certain procedures and certain standards. And it still is very much like a group think, so to speak. So that being said, you're still going to have to abide by the rules and the structure of that party. Man. And I'm a free black man. The founders, (laughs) the founders of our country did not want parties. They felt they would, that that would destroy it. They wanted us to just be American, the American people, we vote for who we think is best. And I think there's some pretty passionate things written in the Federalist Papers by uh, Alexander Hamilton saying, we do not want to go down that path with these parties. So um, they understood that it was going to be problematic downstream. And it is, it is. These parties, they just are, they're so willing to betray their base and not even, not even worry about it, you know. The way they deplatformed Ron Paul back in the day um, at one of the conventions, that was where I was done with the Republican Party and uh, became an independent. Now I'm unaffiliated. And I'll, it's the I'll, same thing. I'll, 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 I'll say this, anyone. too, that like um, as long as you're a part of a party, there is still party leadership and you do still have to listen to party leadership. Uh-huh. Well, I am willing to register for a party just to vote in a primary. No, don't do that. As soon nope. as that vote takes place, I uh, 
I nah, don't unaffiliated. Nah, I don't do that because you don't have to. Because that's that's the the fear that they um, that they uh, 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 leave you in. Um, because I had people say, well, then you can't vote in the Democrat primary. I said, I don't need to vote in the Democrat primary. They, uh, whoever wins, I don't care if they are conservative or not. At the end of the day, the independent holds the keys to the kingdom. So if there are more, you know, just speaking from a left side, if there are a whole bunch of lefty independent people, I don't care if you beat, you know, I Biden going, I beat the socialists. I don't care if you beat the socialists. You need us to get the keys to the kingdom. So we want this, that, 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 and this. Oh, yeah, but but I beat the lefty guy. I'm like, I don't give a damn who you beat in your goddamn primary. Okay? No, I get your point. That's a good point. Exactly. I live in Colorado. Colorado. Kevin was talking about our upcoming election. Our ballots, ironically, just arrived today. But here's the Here's something to consider as well. I hear where Roger is coming from, but the bottom line is with or without parties, we would be headed exactly where we are arguably today because those two parties, when it comes to the big economic issues, they're more alike than they're unalike. And ostensibly, class is still operating and the people who lead these major parties are all a part of the elite class and they come together on the issues that really make a difference in this country and that has to do with capitalism and economics. So, you know, the the, the real issue we have here is we need a different ideology to organize ourselves around other than capitalism. Because at the end of the day, a system that allocates disproportionately all of the wealth to the upper end of the economy and puts the majority of power in the hands of a few, that's the problem that we have always had. That's That goes back to landowners versus labor. And they use the other issues like race and, you know, gender and sex and all of this stuff to polarize the masses. But the landowner class has always been strong enough to overcome any divisions about party or anything else. We need the real problem here is capitalism. Well, let's bring in Daniel. Let, let me bring in Daniel and I'll go back to you, Jenny. What's going on, Daniel? You just have to hit the, the unmute button. Hi there. I've been listening to you for a while. I mean, I, I really appreciate your, um, your support for the Palestinian struggle and you're linking it to, um, uh, the black struggle. I'm a anti-Zionist Jew. I, 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 yeah, I don't support what Israel's doing. I, I, I I'm getting, I really was happy you brought on Miko Paled. He's been quite a hero to me and also, uh, um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I think Miko was really brave. Considering like where he's coming from, you know, like I'm pretty sure he's had threats as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, it's interesting. The actually, you know, who broke the? I think who broke the broke the veil? Because I mean, before this, it, I mean, I think it was recognized by most people that um that uh, the West Bank, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've already heard 
two people call two Jewish people call Palestine a concentration camp. And uh, I remember several years ago, one one Jewish person who who's very knowledgeable about Jewish persecution, um, uh, comparing it to the Warsaw Ghetto. I mean, actually, actually, um, another Jewish person who who's um, David Robex. Uh, wrote a wrote a Substack uh, comparing the um, uh, what what um, the Gazans did to to the Warsaw Ghetto is as horrific as violence is, um, you know the Warsaw Ghetto uprising. So um, it, it's yeah yeah, and also the ADL. I mean the ADL. Doesn't speak for many Jews. It, it, it actually, I think they actually attack Jews. I mean, if you're not a Zionist, um, you know, supporting their agenda and you, you know, try to, uh, try to say what's really going on over there, they'll attack you. Um, another uh, thing I was going to mention too that, um, uh, Katie mentioned today was that yeah. like, that's why I was asking her, like, how do most people feel, you know? And, um, you know, she made it very clear to me that, like, you know, most most Jewish people, at least in the U.S., are not um, don't don't agree with Zionism. Like yeah, that kind of thing. I, you know, I, I mean, like, most of like all of my friends that are Jewish are just like, no, like this is not. And so I think the problem is, is that the message that comes from our government is our government makes it seem like like this is like. Like everybody that's Jewish is on board with what's happening with what yeah. the state of Israel is doing to the Palestinian people, and they're not no they're not um and 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 the one thing is is and and this is i i, I mean uh, it's it's refreshing i mean to see it i it's sort of you know you know i mean it, it's sort of it's sort of and it's very um it's very it's relatively age based i mean i guess if you you know the, the. I mean, you're a millennial, so the, the so so. I, it seems like most of the older people are are still on board with that, and, and the younger people are um are such as yourself um are less likely. Um, I, I mean, I know, I know my 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 nephew. I mean, you know, my my sister um is, you know, is is a she. A liberal Zionist. We've been we've been clashing for about we've had clashes for about I would say fifteen years over this. Um, um, and, and she 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 you know in in her temple there's a I, I went to the he you know she had a bar mitzvah and he had a bat mitzvah well wait 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 the the no the woman's a bat mitzvah and the and the and the man's a bar mitzvah so i i went to their synagogue for that and there's a there's a, a there's one one there's one israeli flag and one american flag and, and you know it's a liberal zionist synagogue i think if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for their desire to Put up an Israeli flag, they wouldn't even have the American flag up there. Um, so, but but he is, from what I understand, he he's rejected Zionism, and he he was brought up in that liberal Zionist household. Um, so so it is very much a younger 
generation thing. The the other thing about uh, about um, I, I was going to say Bet Salam. So so so, I mean, it was pretty much relatively understood that um that the West Bank was apartheid. I mean, I think most people understood um that um yeah the occupied territories were apartheid but bet salam i am um, jewish israeli um uh human rights organization that i think got started in the 90s um uh um put out a position paper and the position paper said basically um said um said um apartheid or or, or it's called called israel oh no it said something like apartheid a regime of supremacy a regime of jewish supremacy from the jordan river to the sea and i was really happy that they did that and and that sort of and that sort of called the bluff of these you know amnesty international and these other ones that that really you know they they really sort of try to they seem like they for the longest time try to both sides it mm-hmm yeah and then and then that called it out i mean i mean norm finkelstein said instead you know was was really happy to see that i mean i was really hit it because it really is a, a i mean it's a regime of jewish supremacy from the jordan river to the sea i mean they you know supposedly i mean the, the palestinians live in these unrecognized neighborhoods supposedly i mean yeah the palestinians live in these unrecognized neighborhoods where they don't have access to um you know basic services um meanwhile my jewish relatives live um in these live like you know you and i live like i live you know in in you know live like any, any any westerner lives in their nice cozy suburbs i mean it's you it's know what just... it reminds me of though daniel yeah it reminds me of like if you think back to slavery yeah. and you think back to how you know on the plantations like the the master or whatever lived in the house and the yeah. slaves kind of lived in these uh shack outside like it that's that's what it reminds me of yeah yeah i mean it's it's so so i mean what else do you call that i mean if, if you you know and then nico paled you know you know did some talk about some other restrictions that I didn't even know about. So what do you call that if and then and then the other thing that and then the other thing is that they openly in government talk about them as a demographic threat. I mean, you know, if if you're gonna talk about a portion of your population as a demographic threat, just for having the gall to wanna live in their ancestral homeland I mean, you know, says something. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, the, and and you know, there's there's um, and you know, I was reading this book once, um, um, and it was and it really turned me on to what was 
what was happening within 1948. Uh, yeah, I, I'm one of those who just wants to see equal rights for all. And, you know, I think it's disgusting the fact that some Palestinian who was born there um, can't go, can't visit their ancestral, can't return to their ancestral homeland. I mean, you know, and, you know, there's, I mean, people are, Jews are living there now, so they can they can work some arrangement out. I mean, I from what I've heard, there's 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 enough land for Palestinians and Jews. It's just well, let it's, me let me ask a question to people. Yeah. Imagine if it would be like like imagine if okay, so my parents don't don't right. live in Massachusetts. It would be like if there was this law in South Carolina where black people could not return. So yeah. like. Even though I'm not, I, I didn't grow up in South Carolina, but the point that I'm trying to make is my parents live there. So it would be like if I could not go back to South Carolina to visit my parents because of some crazy ass law, even though that's my family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, I personally think, you know, I mean, there are, you know, I mean, there, there is the comparison. I mean, that, you know, this is a settler nation too. And, you know, you, I mean, but there's, there's ways to do it. I mean, there's so much, there's so much land that they, that they could build housing on to accommodate everybody. Um, that, you know, the parks, I mean, there's all those national parks that, you know, that, that um, are national parks to cover over the fact that there used to be Palestinian villages there. And you betcha, if a horde of Jewish people, they'd rip out those parks and start building housing for them. They could yep. do that for the Palestinians. But... I mean, so, so yeah, yeah, so. But yeah. the reality is this type of extremism and this type of, you know, racist ideology is never rooted in the resources per se. It is rooted in power. Yeah. And the re a part of the reason the um, people, the government of Israel does not want to include the Palestinians is because they fear that eventually the Palestinians, you know, have enough people. If you allow them to vote and participate, then they will vote for all the Palestinian or Arab people and that the Jews would again be isolated or marginalized or something else. But when you look at this country, we had the same thing happen. You know, we went through a period of real massacres in this nation where black communities were just destroyed, you know, and we have, you know, Central Park was built on the uh, uh, a black community. There's a black community in Georgia that was flooded and is now under a lake. So these type of extreme things and, be, and of course we had redlining in this nation. These type of things are never really about the availability of resources so that everybody can peacefully coexist. It's about empowering that one group to lord over everybody else. And that's just, you know, the way it goes. 
Uh, yeah, well, yes, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, you know, I mean, my first, my first, I mean, I, I, you know, I have relatives in Israel, um, Jewish, and, and I, I was, I was, I remember when I was 16 years old and one of my relatives came, it, it was very, I, I, you know, they, how they just, just, and, you know, just how they, um, you know how they refer to the Palestinians. It, it was it was sort of a very it just was sort of a very seemed very racist and dehumanizing. I mean, I and that's that's what sort of sort of opened my eyes to sort of you know Israeli society. I mean, it's I mean, and and you know, and and my mom went to Israel to visit the to a couple of years ago. She went and she. You know, to visit some of our relatives, and I asked her, you know, what's the what's the average view of Palestinians? And you know, what she said was just so it's just you know so dehumanizing towards them. And and is the Jewish Israelis hold all the cards? I mean, they they have all the power. I mean, from what I understand, you know, you know, they, there's Palestinians in government in the Knesset. But uh, you know they're they're not allowed to be on any the are not, not allowed to be on any of the powerful committees. You know they're not a, they don't have access to the housing committee. They don't have access to the committees. They can't get access to be on the committees that deal with the resources. So it's yeah. So yeah, it's 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 bad. Yeah, I'll never forget. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Roger. I'll never forget. I had talked to the guy um, at that. Remember that thing that me and Lucy and, and Jose and Karen went to when we were trying to stop um, kids from at this Renaissance High School thing? Oh yeah, the mil- the military recruitment event. Yeah. So there was th- this. I didn't realize it was it was the same guy who I had talked to at that event. Right. That right. guy. Okay. So the guy that said. When we went to the RFK thing and uh, Rabbi Shmuley was talking his stuff and that guy that stood up and said, yeah, I'm Jewish too, motherfucker. Uh-huh. I didn't realize it was that same guy I was speaking oh. to at that event, the, oh, the yeah. Renaissance event. That guy oh. is funny as hell because I remember at that, at that Renaissance event, military recruitment event, I was talking to him. He's part of the Green Party. Yeah. He was just, he was just, I don't know, he was just like a funny guy. He was making all these jokes about uh, all these political jokes about how, you know. So when when I found out it was him that said that at the at the Renaissance at the RFK event that we went to, because I just saw him stand up, I couldn't hear what he said until you played it on your show. So you know, the, that's that's what I thought of when I was listening to Daniel. <laughs> I thought Daniel was gonna say, "I'm Jewish too, motherfucker." <laughs> I remember that guy. That guy was funny. Yeah, that guy was good. That guy was good. I, I like, I like um, Max Bloomingfall is another. I mean, when I first when I first started my sort of process, I mean, I I think I first, I think I first, you know, was thinking, you know you know, the 1967 borders. And then when I started learning about how Palestinians were treated, 
I mean, you know, and also, you can and also as a Jewish person, I mean, my parent, my grandparents fled the pogroms, and I just don't see, you know, I just don't see how what Jewish Israelis are doing to the Palestinians is any different. I mean, they're going in, they're setting fire to their houses, they're burning their cars, they're kidnapping them, they're shooting them. I don't understand how how this how this isn't just as bad as what was done to us. That, that's the thing that really gets me, um, that how we could do this to another group of people after what was done to us, and we make such a big deal about what was done to us. And then we do this to another people? I mean, we, we you know, and, you know, and, and the, you know, there's, there's actually a, there's actually a, a was a, um, interesting um um there was actually an interesting um um thing you when i think um the guy before uh ariel sharon one of his advisors said um you know when when they were i think someone was trying to compare it to the concentration camp uh, the um gaza and he said um and i think he said something like no, it's not a concentration camp because, no, we're not Nazis because Hitler starved them. We just put them on a diet. Um, and it's, I mean, but to look at the diet, I mean, from what, I, from what I heard, one of the things that they're not allowed in or, or that Israel tried to prohibit is dried fruit. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't they want dried fruit in? And then I'm thinking, they well, also tried fruit. to. Um, they also tried to prohibit yeah. uh, macaroni and cheese for the kids. Yeah. There's also yeah. this issue with crayons because they believe yeah. they'll make weapons out of them. Yeah, but it, yeah, but dried fruit. I'm thinking, why wouldn't they want dried fruit? Well, it stores well and it's very nutritious. And they want them to die. That early that so that thinking, part so that part thinking, that you just yeah i was just gonna say that part that you just said right there that it stores yeah. well yeah so i'm thinking yeah i mean it's like yeah so yeah so it's 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 pretty bad yeah that we yeah i don't know what else to say um yeah so yeah i mean from the but there there is a rising number of of younger Jews, I was very impressed, um, you know, especially the capital. I mean, when I started this, I mean, I think when there was a protest, I would go to the protest APAC, um, you know, several years ago, and there was, a, there was an equal number. So it seems like there was, it seems like there wasn't that. And I was really impressed what Naomi Klein said, you know, who, who was started in this way earlier than I did. Um, you know, she said there was just a small little group, and now look at it. So, I mean, we'll see. Well, let's bring in Dwayne. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Savvy. Thank you. I'm going to go to bed now. It's getting late, but thank you very much. All right, thank you, Daniel. I'll bring in Dwayne, and then, um, Ashura, I invited you as a speaker. What's up, Dwayne? What's your take on all this stuff? My take, um, well... (laughs) I've been uh, in, in a state of complete grief and shock uh, since it's actually started. 
I mean, I've been so depressed about it. I, that's why I, you know, because you've had some call-ins before now, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't even bring myself to talk about it because I was just too upset about it. And it was funny because right after uh, this really started, my father called me up and he was all upset because he's worried about our relatives in Israel. I mean, I have relatives there who I met. I was there in, in 1988 and uh, my grandparents had lived in Israel and I, you know, I saw my grandfather's grave there. He, um, he's buried in Israel. And uh, I met my cousins who were in the IDF and stuff like that. We, we went all over Israel and all over, saw these great historic sites and, you know, ancient ruins and stuff like that. Masada uh, went to like the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And it, it's incredible. The, the Wailing Wall saw the, um, the dome of the mosque there. It was an incredible experience, that whole thing. And, uh, since this has started, I mean, I, it's been horrible because to see these, these Israelis acting like Nazis, you know, Ashura was talking uh, about before how we were going back and forth about the, the, the Sephardic Jews and the, uh, uh, the Ashkenazis. And I have a joke that is intentionally extremely offensive. And uh, it goes like this. It's like uh, 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 the Ashkenazi Jews putting the Nazi in Ashkenazi since 1948. And, uh, I, 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 that's intentionally offensive because I'm, as far as I'm concerned, killing journalists like Abu, uh, Shirin Abu Akla, I mean, they, they're targeting journalists. Peaceful demonstrations are shooting people's eyes out with rubber bullets or shooting their knees out and they're laughing about it and watching the bombing from like a hilltop, enjoying the, the, the spectacle of, of the of, of, uh, atrocities that they're committing on these people. And, and it's just disgusting to me because I mean, I my uh, my grandfather's family was massacred in Auschwitz. My my grandmother on my father's side um, that, that fled the Tsar in the turn at the turn of the the twentieth century. Uh, it's like it was like fiddler on the roof. They're they're, they're doing pogroms in, in in Russia, and so they had to come here. And these are the people who helped to form the modern day civil rights movement with black people who were enslaved in the United States. Uh, this is obviously pre uh, um, um, the beginning of the modern day civil rights era. Um, uh, well, actually, not, I thought it was the civil rights era, the, the abolitionist era going into the formation of the uh, civil rights in the, uh, in the beginning of the 20th century with the NAACP. That was basically Jewish people and black people joined together to try to fight uh, for, for, for black people's civil rights in the United States pre-Zionism. I mean, Zionism existed, but it was pre the state of Israel. And, and, and since then, you know, you know how Biden said that if Israel didn't exist, we'd have to create it. Um, that works on so many levels, because if you really look at it's not just a neo-colonial beachhead in the Middle East with the with where, the, where the, all the oil is and everything. And uh, so it gives them a geostrategic uh, foothold in the region. But it's also been used to, to splinter the left in the United States, because they use Zionism and, and, and nationalism, uh, Israeli nationalism, to divide black people who identified with Muslims and with, you know, oppressed, colonized people like the Palestinians away from the Jewish people who are who had they'd formed a coalition with that was very effective through the, through the beginning of the 20th century with the NAACP into the modern day civil rights movement with uh, you know with Martin Luther King they've used the, the nationalism to divide and conquer the the, uh, the civil rights movement 
So, um, so what we, what we, I mean, if you look at the, the modern day civil rights movement, Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney, two Jewish guys and a black guy went down to, to, uh, to, to organize people in Mississippi to vote. Okay. I mean, this is what the civil rights movement was. And they've used ever since the, it was like, um, the 67 war and the 73 war, Jewish people were, were, were encouraged to identify their Judaism with, with Israel, when, you know, if you look at the tenets of Judaism, there's not supposed to even be in Israel, and a lot of Orthodox Jews will come out. All these people have been saying, no, there's supposed to be a state of Israel not created by men, but be created by God through the Messiah, when the Messiah comes. This is, a, this is, a, this is not that. This is, this is, it's a perversion of, 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 of the Jewish religion. And they're trying to, but they still have used this nationalism to divide. So it works on several levels. We, if, if this didn't exist, we'd have to create it. Well, they did create it and, and they've been using it. And it's just so disgusting. I can't, I mean, I see so many people like that crowd of people that Russell and, 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 and Jose were, they, 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 they went into that room and and all these bourgeois New York Jewish people who I people who I grew up around my entire life, they love Rachel Maddow, who's been lying to them for years and years. And and these people are, and these just completely compromised everything that they once used to believe in. And they're just they've become the Nazis. They've become Nazis. That's what they're doing. They're committing genocide in Gaza. And and nobody's doing anything about it. That's why it's so depressing for me, because to see these people so perverted and, and divided against themselves and compromising everything that they used to, that they supposedly believed in and becoming exactly what we were taught our entire lives not to be. And that was the people who just murdered six million Jewish people. They've become the Nazis now. And, and it's just disgusting to see that so many people are buying into it. And, and I, feel, I feel like it's, I'm helpless to do anything about it. I, my, um, my sister is very active in Jewish Voice for Peace in New York, and she's exhausted. She's watching all these people going to demonstrations, being arrested. Uh, and, and it's like the vast majority of Americans are oblivious. They're, they're like identifying with the oppressor, with these people who are just murdering children wholesale, bombing 50% of Gaza is children. And yep. they're just murdering these people. They weren't even, a lot of them weren't even alive when, when, when Hamas was, was, was elected. But yep. to, to conflate Hamas with, with these poor children who are being blown to, sh to, to shreds, blown to pieces of, I mean, pieces of meat, they're being blown into pieces of, it's just disgusting. And the, the, the Israelis are just, they've lost their damn minds. They're crazy. They really are insane, homicidal maniacs. And I just have America add, you know, people had that same type of behavior when kids were like, remember that old chemical, that gas attack or whatever that happened in Syria? Yeah. And they showed the images and everything on mainstream media. And I remember, like I was saying, like there were people on Facebook and they still had no sympathy because they considered, they considered them to be terrorists. And so this disgusting. has to do with some of the indoctrine that happens in, particularly in the US, when it comes to other groups in the world outside of the United States, we have been conditioned to believe that everyone that is a US ally is on the right side 
the, the correct side of, of society. And when it comes to like these Arab like countries, we have been conditioned to believe, especially those of us that went to the Dodd schools, we've been conditioned to believe that these people are, they're all terrorists and they're all evil people. And Americans that, are so that's, brainwashed. Part of Savvy. that comes from the, the rhetoric from mainstream media yeah. and also the U.S. military because they condition them to believe that too, that they're all terrorists. Like I said, if you go back and you look at the footage that Julian Assange had, it showed them attacking civilians. Yep. Like, What's that point, saying? Point, civilians just standing outside, it showed them attacking them. It showed them blowing up a van of kids. Yep. And they admitted, like, oh, there's kids. Well, they're arming the settlers who, you know, you know, if you look at the Oslo Accords, there shouldn't be settlers. They've been all Israel does is violate international law. And then you have Biden coming out and talking about international law so, so self-righteously and giving these people a blank check to murder children. They, Americans are so brainwashed that when a hospital is bombed, they believe this bullshit about about how, oh, Hamas bombed the hospital. Hamas doesn't have any ordinance that could do that to a hospital. If they did, they would have been using it on Israel already. They don't have anything like that. That was obviously, um, uh, that was obviously Israeli ordinance that was probably given to them by the United States. Because there's nothing that, that Hamas has that could do that to that hospital. And, the, and people believe this. What is that saying? Um, if you can convince people to believe absurdities, you can, they, they'll commit atrocities. Well, this is what we have here. We have Americans sitting here believing that every Palestinian in Gaza is a terrorist. It's com they completely dehumanize those people and their children, and they're being blown to pieces by, by people, you know, I will continue to, you know, I'm calling not only, uh, you know, the, the, I made that Ashkenazi joke. Um, uh, uh, I call him Nazi Yahoo now. I mean, it should, it should, people should all call him that. I mean, he, his name is not uh, Netanyahu for me. He's, it's Nazi Yahoo. And when my father called me, oh, he's so worried about our relatives in the IDF. You know what? They're my cousins. I'm not worried about them. I know they're safe. You know who isn't safe? These, these poor people in Gaza who are just being massacred en masse by people who, are, who, are, who have become, by Jews who have become Nazis. That's just what they are. And need, need, they need to be called that. And, and, and you know what? They need to be called that in public because it, it is intentionally provocative to do that. But it's the truth. And, and, and people need to be shaken out of their stupor about this because, like you said, they're they're completely brainwashed into dehumanizing these people, and they're sitting by and watching these atrocities happen, and they're rationalizing it. The, uh, I, re I read a great article by Caitlin Johnstone about um, how um, they're actually they keep on repeating this, and it is brainwashing. It's it's propaganda 101. Okay, this is like Goebbels. They knew ex they know exactly what they're doing. They keep repeating. Every atrocity, every murder, Mitt Romney came out and said it, Lindsey Graham came out and said it, it's all Hamas's fault. So that, that means that we can excuse any atrocity committed by Israel against innocent Palestinian children because it's okay. It's, it's, don't blame Israel. It's, it's, it's Hamas's fault.
And so not only are they, I mean, they announced, they've bombed hospitals before. They just bombed a a school for refugees. They bomb everybody. They don't care. They say they're not targeting civilians. Of course they're targeting civilians. They're also bombing. I just want to add for people who are not aware, they're also bombing, um, uh, what do you call it? They're also bombing uh, Syria and Lebanon right now too, just FYI. Which is you which know, is not being discussed. What needs to happen is the Arab world needs to come together, and they need to retaliate. And I, you know, do you know how much I hate having to say that? Something's got to stop Israel. And right now, the United States has given them a blank check to commit genocide. Somebody's got to stop this from happening. What's crazy too is that the United States wants to say that they have unwavering support for Israel and they want to protect Israel, and at the same time they're actually sending money to Ukraine to fund Nazis in the exactly. <laughs> well, that's right. This, this it's is so hypocritical, and I think more Americans are waking up to it, which is really good. But at, at the same time, like I said, if you looked at the mass protests that are happening across the globe, you notice. Those protests are in favor of the Palestinian people and the Palestinian struggle. You don't see mass global protests happening in favor of the state of Israel. And that in itself should wake people up. And you notice how mainstream media, they're losing control of the narrative in reference to this particular issue. And that's why they're pulling their hair out, because that's why I was to keep telling you guys, you got to have the movement on the outside. This is what I was trying to tell people. Because when you have those mass protests like that, particularly international mass protests, it changes the way the mainstream media has to discuss it. Look how Biden had to come forward and say, especially on Twitter and say, you know, Hamas is not the Palestinian people. You know right. why he had to say that? Because of the, the the protests that were happening, what people were saying on the ground and the coverage of it from mainstream media. So that's why you have to have the people on the ground. This is why they're going crazy with the censorship, too, because they have, they're frantic. They've, they know they've lost control of the narrative. So now, the, the, you know, it's like they're not even uh, – they've done away with the pretense that we have, like, some sort of a, a democracy and that we have a First Amendment in this country. And they're openly censoring people and demonetizing people left and right in this country now because they don't have control of the narrative, and they know they don't. But you can't keep a lid in an era when we have the technology that we have. You can't keep a lid on on the genocide that's taking place in Gaza. But that's how we know this whole American project is just as flimsy and frail as the Israel project. And that this this we're going through, uh, I think, a change in the guard. And this thing cannot go on like this. This empire is crumbling. And either we're going to end up in some type of third world war, because I don't believe those Arab nations are going to stand by and see and witness in real time ethnic cleansing and a genocide. I just don't think they're going to just sit by and allow that. And it's going to trigger and and spread and lead into, I think, a third world war. Because, you know, we already have the issue with Ukraine and Russia. We see Russia tightening ties up with China. We see the whole effort to 
build bridges between Israel and some of the Arab states falling apart. And it's just, you know, we need real leadership at this point, and there is none. And America cannot diagnose itself and interrogate itself and see that this whole thing is a failed project. And I think it's a part in part because when America looks at Israel, it sees itself. Of course. And it cannot pull back and do a different thing, which is, I just think we're in such a dire place. I have been feeling so low. Me too. Because I just don't see this thing. I don't see the, 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 wisdom coming forward i just see them continuing to try and do what they've always done and it just doesn't work what's what's depressing for me about it is that you know my whole life i grew up you know with people were like like you know what you know uh yeah if if it's ever happened again how could they have let that happen to those people in uh in uh in europe how could they let six million people just be just exterminated how could they just sit by sit back and allow that to happen and and people would uh, go through this exercise of think, of saying to themselves well if that ever happened now and we do something about it that we would never allow that to happen again and now it's happening again and nobody's doing shit about it. Well, I just want to say, let's bring in um, Jonathan and then we'll go to um, Ashura. But the hypocrisy is very telling. Like I told you guys, some of the same people that were saying we cannot give uh, funding to Ukraine, which I agreed with that. Like we need to stop doing that. Those people are totally fine with us giving aid to Israel and standing by Israel. And that just goes to tell you who people are are, are in bed with. It's crazy. Um, what's going on, Jonathan? You just have to uh, unmute. Yeah, I uh, actually, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, the last thing Dwayne said was was kind of uh, more or less what I called in to talk about because uh, that's a question that preoccupied me since I first learned about the Holocaust when I was a little kid. Like, how could something like this happen? How does something like this happen? And it's it's kind of been like a lifelong, uh, you know kind of inquest for me. And when I was in college, I um, had the honor of um, being in uh, the last class uh, Professor Henry Mason ever taught. He was uh, the former head of the political science department over there. And he was ex-World War II OSS. And he had debriefed a lot of the Nazi war criminals after the war. And uh, he had basically spent his life you know, making inquests of of that exact same thing. And he taught a class called Holocaust Systems, which was unlike any class I'd ever taken before. And it was from this very, it wasn't a history class. It was a kind of a neutral political science perspective, kind of deconstructing and comparing and contrasting genocide systems. And one of the profound insights that I got from that was the answer to how could all of these people allow something like this to happen? How could they, how could they not know? How could they say they didn't know? And how could they not appreciate what was what was happening right under their noses? And the basic answer to that, to, to make a long story, very, very, very short. uh, The core of that was the process of ghettoization. Okay. You know, first, they're like, these people are different and they have kind of like a segregation, uh, 
uh, you know, sort of um, like a, a Jim Crow style thing. You know, they have to walk on a different side of the road. They have to wear yellow stars. And then they herd them into ghettos and they wall off the ghettos. Okay. And then once they're out of sight, out of mind, their property gets redistributed and people, their motivated reasoning does the rest. Okay. They don't ask questions they don't want to know the answer to, to a person pretty much. And the few people that do ask, you know, they, uh, other people learn pretty quick that, uh, no good comes up and people, like they, some part of their brain knows they're not going to like the answer if they ask the question and they're going to be obligated to do something if they ask the question. So they never ask the question. They come up with some story, like a flimsy story to tell themselves. So I think the, one of the big ones the, the Nazis told was that, uh, you know, they were getting shipped off to Madagascar to frolic in the wild as free range Jews, uh, you know, where they wouldn't bother anybody and they could be by themselves and in the wild and so on and so forth. And people just bought that. They're like, okay, that's fine. And it seems that so many of, you know, my people and, you know, even my own family, um, they're the ordinary Germans. They're the ordinary Europeans that, uh, that didn't look, that never asked what was happening day to day to those people in Gaza. Because and, when the, when the, Jonathan, when the ash, started to fall on those German towns surrounding those camps. They didn't want to know the answer, but they knew. Well, yeah, that, that happened in the, in the T4 euthanasia program for the mentally handicapped. That was the lesson that they learned from that because there were riots in the streets. You know, a lot of these Down syndrome patients that were being euthanized were family members of high Nazi party officials. They were beloved family members. And um, the ash was raining down on German towns. So they learned. Uh, you know, aside from the ghettoization to relocate the actual death and extermination camps um, out of sight, out of mind, like the the concentration camps, there were still some in Germany, but the death camps, like the real death factories like Auschwitz, uh, the Rosendot and all those, those were moved to Eastern Europe mm-hmm. and occupied Eastern Europe. So that was a key part of it, keeping them out of sight, out of mind, but also letting people's minds do the rest, um, you know, and the, the stories that people were told about the people in Gaza, these are barbarians. These people are raised to hate and, and all of this stuff. It, You're it's, animals. You know, yeah, it's, it's lies. It's lies. Like if you see interviews uh, and, you know, there've been people doing great work like Katie Halper actually talking to people in these places, you know, uh, Max Blumenthal uh, has gone out there and spent time there. Um, uh, what's her name? The, the one who did the, the Gaza fights for freedom film. Um, uh, Abby Martin has, has spent time out there, made friends with these people, talked to these. They're people just like you and me. Of course they are. Of course they're people just like you and me. They're, you know, they're sad when their family members die. They, they cry just like you and I would. Um, how do people not see that this is the modern day equivalent of the Warsaw ghetto? It's not just a modern day equivalent. It's like, this is what I keep trying to explain to people. If you study what's been done to them, okay, like the intentional cruelty, uh, the constraint of, uh, you know, things like electricity and water and food and medical supplies that they've been under even during peaceful times, like there was no good reason except for cruelty to do it 
or, you know, the deliberate sabotage of their infrastructure, like the cutting of power to their one sewage treatment plant that caused, you know, raw sewage to spill out into the med and make their beaches unusable and their coast unfishable. Uh, you know, things like that, these, these kind of cruelties, like this is the, this is like one for one out of the playbook of how the Nazis handled the Warsaw ghetto to the point where it's impossible to think that it's an accident. Somebody in IDF Southern Command, okay, basically asked themselves, what is the nearest historical military parallel that we can use as an example for what to take a playbook out of to, to reach our goals? in this area and they're like oh yes the warsaw ghetto 1943 like they have done this deliberately and you can't like it's it's impossible to escape at this point and you know i think um gabor mate um you know put it really nicely when he was again talking to katie halper and he said this like never again can't just be a tribal slogan Okay, it has to be an understanding of the way people treat one another. And that means it can be never again for anybody. And if, you know, I think even people that are, you know, Zionistically inclined have to accept that if the cost of maintaining your your dream state or whatever is putting on the jackboots of our would be exterminators, then the price is too high. The price is your soul. Okay, and if you pay that price, paradoxically, your reward is ash and ruin. Like it's a state not worth having. It's a dark, evil parody of what you tried to build. You have to let it go. Their dream state is our humanity's nightmare. Yes, it's really. I want to bring in Ashura um, as well. Just go ahead and unmute Ashura. This is just, it's its wild to me because it's almost like oppressed people. And I've heard this before, that sometimes people who are oppressed in turn may oppress other people. Go ahead, Asher. Yeah, it's like I said, it was, it's its like the thing Jimmy Dore says about the cop thing when he says, there are two people who become cops, bullies, and those who were bullied by the cop. And it seems like that's the thing that happened to the, to the Jewish people. <laughs> They got bullied by cops, and they went around and became cops. That's what it seems like. It's just, it, but this is, this is, this is insane. Like, this is a humanitarian crisis. Like, and this is something I mentioned to, to Katie earlier. Like, the Human Rights Watch, like, they have called out the fact that Israel is an apartheid state and that they're committing crimes against humanity. And what's really interesting is most people that I talk to, if I bring this up, they have no idea that Human Rights Watch has actually done that, has said that. They, they're they not aware. A lot, a lot of Americans, I think more Americans are paying attention now because of the conflict, but a lot of Americans just, they have no idea. Uh, the one thing I don't, is- I don't want from the protest that's happening is that the protest is for the money, for the food and water to come in the to the Palestinians, but I hope that doesn't become like the only. I hope that 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 doesn't become a distraction where the goal is to basically free Palestine. 
the pro, no, the protest, at least the ones that, that I've been able to go to, is to end the genocide and to free Palestine. Especially yeah. the one I covered in Boston, that's what that one was for. But the one on news is focusing about, they're saying it's the protest for the food and water and shit. And I was uh, at Lucy. Lucy just did a stream. Remember that woman that went after Lucy for Bakya. speaking? Yeah. Bakya. Yeah, and currently Lucy's doing a stream. I don't know if she ended it. She said she was going to be a short stream. Apparently, she's on Fox News, and she what? was like, saying, "Yeah, she she said that uh, um, she's doing the Fox News about the hospital, and she says the media is lying. Israel did not bomb the hospital; it was Hamas." And I'm like, "How the fuck did Hamas bomb a hospital? Hamas doesn't have the weapon capability to bomb a hospital because the bomb came from above." You're telling me that somehow Mahmaz to shoot a rocket uh, from the bottom to basically blow up a house? I mean, blow up a building? It, it's like these Republicans, they're so far up their asses for Israel. They will make up shit. Like, even though we got video, and I think there are people, the people who watch them, believe that so much they're telling the truth that they will not fact check it. They will refuse to fact check it because it's Fox News. They won't watch anything else but Fox News. But wait a minute, but Batya is not I thought Batya was a Democrat. No, well, yeah, I don't know, but she was on Fox News, she was railing crazy. Is what Tulsi's a Democrat? No, she's not. No, she's not. Tulsi left the Democratic Party, announced she she left the Democratic Party. She is an independent. No, 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 that's recent. No, when I say right wing, Sabrina, we talked about this before. Anybody who calls himself independent and you're voting back into the duopoly, regardless which which wing of the duopoly you're going to, you are not independent. Yeah, that's true. That's that's, that's a good point. What's up, Casey? What's going on, family? What's going on, everybody? Much love to you, Savvy. Much love to the chat. Yeah, I think Bakhtia is like of the same ilk as um, Robbie. So I, I believe she writes for reason and she's like a libertarian-ish. Under Sargon? Yeah, I, I believe so. I hope, hopefully, I'm not wrong. He's I, an I editor. So. He's the opinion editor of Newsweek, which is also owned by a right wing publishing okay. group. So she's like, she's always kind of been a fake leftist. And oh, uh, okay. I caught her. I caught her using because remember, I used to be uh, an APAC trained campus advocate. I've had some like advanced PR training from them, like 20 years. I didn't always have good politics, right? <laughs> um, so not like I. I spotted once, and I told Bree about it, uh, that she was using some of these um, these PR like debating techniques, like these uh, the kind of advanced PR training that I got uh, to uh, manipulate the conversation and the way it was going. And and I I gave her some examples of some of those tricks that I caught Batia using, and she's like, "Oh my god!" Like I didn't realize, like I knew she was doing something, and I was finding myself alarmed at the way the conversation was getting steered, but I didn't realize she was doing that manipulative stuff on purpose. Mm. And she was, I guess she was alert for it the next time, but yeah, she's not like, she calls herself of the left or progressive or tries to pretend to be, but like there's, yeah, that's not, that's not what she is at all. Like, I mean, she spends more time uh, with, uh, with what's his name? Uh, the daily wire guy than she does with any, anybody on the left or liberal, even liberal space. Um. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jonathan, for correcting me. Uh, 
I do see. I'm looking at her Twitter account now, and she's the opinion editor yet at Newsweek. But I see. I saw her on uh, Fox News the other day, and it looks she's. It's funny how people go on a different channel and have a whole different like demeanor. And she seemed like she just had a whole different demeanor than when she's on Rising with a leftist on the other side, opposite of her. You know, like Brie or that other. Um, I can't think of her name right now. Um, that's that she sometimes would be with. And they seem they seem a lot more vitriol. Like even Robbie, when he's on Fox News, he seemed a little bit more um, like that aggressive Fox News kind of energy that than when he's next to Ryzen. You know, it's, it's really sh- strange. It really highlights the extent to which the uh, media is completely compromised that they would characterize her as the left, and that's not the left. And and the, and the entire corporate media is just engaged in a, pro- a propaganda campaign brainwashing Americans at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Americans are so woefully ignorant because this is what they look to and still believe is the news. It's just sad. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I, – I wanted to make this point too. Thanks for um, bringing bring me up, Sabi, that uh, Israel has the right to defend themselves. You know, that's what they always say when to defend the atrocious acts that they're doing. But the person, when they bring that up, because they even, I, I, I clipped, uh, Hassan was with Piers Morgan today, and he had a very good uh, clip that I, I put up there about, he still thinks that the is the Gaza hospital was attacked by Israel. But um, something that Piers Morgan brought up in that interview was like, well, do you think uh, Israel has the right to defend themselves? Like, as almost like it's a gotcha. And I, I'm just waiting for somebody to respond, yes, but they don't have a, a um, they don't have the right to be a terrorist. You know, it's, it's almost like Israel can go to Germany and say, OK, you guys put us in internment camps and concentration camps. We're going to do that to you, Germany, and we're going to kill all your children and we're going to all the atrocities of the Nazis. We're going to do it right back to you. No, you don't have the right to do that to people who didn't do that to you. You know, Case, I'm still waiting for somebody to come back and say, wait a second. Why don't Palestinian children have the right to defend themselves? Mm. But here's the thing in terms of narrative. If you really examine that question, does Israel have a right to defend itself? The most honest answer is no, because Israel is the occupier. Mm. So you come and you occupy this land and you marginalize me and push me to the edge. Your violence is not out of defense. And that is the root of the narrative that needs to be unraveled so that people can begin to see that Israel is not under attack per se. The people, the Palestinians are trying to fight to live. What what Israel has done over these years has been an occupation. And so, no, you don't have the moral high ground to defend anything. Because your acts are of aggression and we can't be so transactional in terms of, oh, when the um, what happened on October 7th, they can't. Yes, it was horrible. Yes, there were people who died. But you have to step back and put that transaction into context. And when you look at it from the context of it, all, that's like saying, oh, did the slaves have the right to rebel? Didn't that turn a half? Exactly and kill those good white people. But that's it's like, yeah, people, people die, angry. 
But this is, you know, people are trying to fight for freedom. They're coming out of enslavement. They're coming out of occupation. And they're trying to resist in order that they may be liberated. That's a whole different moral question than, oh, did they have the right to kill people? But that's the point that a lot of people are starting to bring up now, uh, Noel. They're comparing it to like the Haitian rebellion, like did the the, the slave rebellion, did the slave rebellion in Haiti not have the right to rise up? And that's, that's what some people are comparing it to. And the thing is, is like, that's what we were talking about before. Like, do occupied people have the right to resist? That's the same thing I said to a security guard. Uh, the security guard, he basically was trying to make excuses for it. I said, well, what if it was a plantation? And uh, he said, but the, it was a plantation and the slaves basically broke the shackles and they can touch freedom right there. Freedom is right there. All I got to do is pick a knife, any type of weapon, and basically start hacking people up. And they'll, they'll be free. And basically, well, what if there's innocent people? I'm like, it's a revolt in the plantation. There's going to be people dying on this regardless. And I'm right. pretty sure people died during the Haitian Revolution. People who were... Uh, let, let's say they were pro-slavery and if you got a kid in front of you are you going to wait 20 years for this kid to come back and say I'm going to do revenge because you killed my daddy on the plantation and I'm going to be the new master and I'm going to inflict pain on every single one of you you'd probably want to say you know what let, let, let me just nip this shit in the bud even if it's a kid I'm just going to get rid of it because I'm not going to go back in the, in, in, on the plantation it's like a, a movie going inside your head when you're, you're basically saying, I'm free, but there's an obstacle in front of me. It's a kid, but do you basically now have to think 20 steps into the future if you should let this kid live or do you kill him right now? But this taps right into what Jonathan was, this, was saying. We have become so well accorded to the suffering of Palestinians. We have seen the Palestinians be marched out of homes we hear of the kids being killed, maimed, this and that on a regular basis. And there has been no huge, consistent outcry through the years. So you have this incident that happens on October 7th where Jewish life is interrupted. And it's all this whole big international thing. But that's because we have become too accustomed to the suffering of the oppressed. That's just like when you look in this country and you say, oh, my God, you know, in the post-Reconstruction era, you had all these massacres. These people were burning communities down, this, that, and a third. How did that happen? That was because the white majority had become too well accustomed to the suffering of the blacks. And so there were no, no prices to pay. There were no prices to pay for massacres. Nobody was going to jail behind that stuff because it had become commonplace. And, so, and that's where we are now. Nobody cares and nobody is willing to be in terms of the people in power. They're yeah. not willing to be honest about what the Palestinians have been living under for decades because it's just been normalized. Only a few voices have spoke out. Oh, but there is, I, you know, I always try to look at the, uh, the positive side of things. There is one good thing that seems to be coming out of this. 
I think we're beginning to see uh, the ending of Zelensky's gravy train. <laughs> yeah, small People, favors. Yeah, I, I think Kid Cabello, somebody in the Kid Cabello's chat, they, they, they called uh, <laughs> Zelensky the side piece because the wife has had enough so that the husband has to go back to the wife. That's the U.S. The U.S. and the wife is Israel's like, nah, man, you come back to the house. Get rid of your side piece. <laughs> and now yeah. he's out there crying. Yeah. Um, have you seen the clip of the attack, Sabrina, when it, when it started, when they broke in? And it's it's just like, no, I was talking about how the Israelis, like, they, they, they've been living the life. They don't give a shit what happens to the Palestinians because they're the oppressed. And when they came in, I was watching this video on YouTube. When they came in, like the Palestinians, not Palestinians, the Israelis, they were fucking shocked. They were praying to God. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they're here. You can see them just the the the, the Hamas guild. They're just walking on walls. They have their guns and people are like, what the fuck's going on? It's like, oh my God, oh my God, Hamas is here. I'm like, what the fuck do you think was going to happen? You think they're going to sit back and just keep taking the hits? They want to get to you one one way or another. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of Israelis saying that same thing, actually, at this point. Like, what did you expect was going to happen? And, you know, there's a surprisingly large number of people, including ones that were in those uh, kibbutzim that got attacked, were like, don't blame them. Blame Netanyahu. And I think there's a tendency uh, amongst, you know, even people on our side to to kind of fall into the same trap of, wanting to tie this into a knot. And I think uh, Noel has a way of, of hitting the nail on the head here. Uh, this is not like, you know, people talk in terms of like cycles of violence and it's not a cycle of violence. It's, it's a long trail that's been building. There's been push and pull over time. Um, you know, it's, it's one continuous narrative and it's, it's messier and it's harder to wrap your brain around but it's not this self-contained thing. It didn't happen in a vacuum. And, uh, and these, like this kind of, of oppression had been going on for a long time. And the people that live closest to it, um, you know, maybe have a better idea than most, uh, that there was nothing good going on in there. And, you know, even the, um, the turn, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Like the the state had some kind of fascist undertones from the beginning, but there used to be a push and pull there. Uh, there used to be, like for instance, an Israeli Communist Party. There was a joint Jewish Arab list that was uh, fundamentally anti-Zionist, and that was headed by a guy called uh, Moshe Sne, whose uh, own kid went uh, and joined the Labor Party and turned into quite the shit lib. He was actually a medical school colleague of my dad's. Um, but that used to be there, and that's not there anymore. And you've seen a gradual transition uh, more and more towards fascism. And Netanyahu was actually the real accelerator to that stuff. And it started not when he was prime minister, but when he was finance minister. Um, and the economic underpinnings of fascism that make people much more susceptible to these kinds of, um, you know, not just the hatreds, but also the indifference to other people's suffering um, and the focus on I've got mine and nobody's going to take it away from me. Uh, that was all a process that occurred 
uh, probably since starting around 2003, 2004, um, and has been accelerating. And the turn to open fascism, um, you know, under Netanyahu's leadership after he became prime minister again in 2009, um, it's it's almost like the fact that Jews here and you know Israel supporters here didn't notice that there's something different about today's Israel than the Israel they romanticize about 1967. And, you know, that this isn't, this isn't that place. And the things they're doing are things that you, you can't even, you, nobody would ever have contemplated seeing, you know, the people of a state that was founded in the wake of the Holocaust doing, um, like they just, they can't process it and they, they won't look at it. Well, it's, a, it's like they never, they never went to a shrink. They just let them do it. It's like put a dog that's been like beaten so many times will eat other dogs. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's essentializing to a certain degree. Like this wasn't just something that, you know, happened collectively. Like they're like, this wasn't even something that, um, that, all Israelis always signed on to or were part of like this was, this was a process. This was the heavy hand of intention is there. And the kinds of people that have risen to power, um, you know, all over the world are looking more like Netanyahu and a lot less like the kind of leaders that we, romanticized from our past, although those people also had their their bad sides. But, I mean, there's a directionality. There's a long process here. Um, and you can't just say, like, people are people wherever you go, whether they're Jews or Palestinians or Israelis or whatever. They don't just wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to be evil. I'm going to be complicit in genocide. I'm going to be just like the Nazis and pull on those jackboots. I mean, Sociopaths like Netanyahu might, but for the most part, um, you know, people fall into it. They get sucked into it, and they don't realize they're there until they're too far gone to care. You know, you can like you can this, argue that, uh, Jonathan. You can argue that this was inevitable when you have, uh, you know, uh, you cultivate a siege mentality in in a country, and then you make military service compulsory. Mm. I mean, they were always on this trajectory and we're on the same trajectory if you look at it. So, yes, I mean, yes, they, very much. They were inevitably going to de 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 decline into, into fascism and become exactly what they hated because they've been cultivating this mindset since the very beginning of the state. The state never would have existed if they didn't begin with that, with that uh, racist, neo-colonialist, white supremacist, Eurocentric mentality that justified going to the land of, an, of, a, of a brown-skinned people and taking it over and claiming superiority just because they were from Europe at this point. Uh, I, I was watching uh, Max Bumuthor's uh, video, uh, Killing Gaza, and I don't know about Hamas that much to either hate Hamas or just, you know... To hate them or just, you know, just let it be for what it is because it's just like the rage of a people. Uh, I'm pretty sure you watched the the uh, the documentary, Sabrina. There were like a bunch of parts in the documentary that kind of shocked me. The one with the old man 
that was like traumatized because he got beaten and they were trying to kick him in the chest. And there's a point where he basically is, he is so traumatic that he is literally seeing the movie of him being beaten over and over again. He's hyperventilating. And then Max had to cut the video and the old man was sleeping. Then he cut it to a point where he's talking to a guy and the guy, I call him Mr. Sandwich because he goes to the camera. He says, you American, where are you from? Yeah, you're American. I want to thank you for basically bringing up the food. I want to thank you for uh, basically putting an issue about the Israel to their people. I want to thank you for the sandwiches. And I could tell this guy was, his blood was boiling. Once he got to the Israel part, he's like, I want to thank you also for giving them bombs that they drop over our heads. See that kid over there? He lost his family. I want him 10 to 15 years from now to build a nuke and drop it on Israel. And he's like, how the hell do you want us to basically live like this? What do you want us to basically show these kids other than hatred, anger? They can't even smile no more. Yes, at least he's like, hey, hey, what, what do you want to say to Obama? You, you want to say thank you to Obama? He's like, I don't want to say thank you to Obama. See, this is what we have. We only have hate left. Hate is the only thing that's making us stay alive. We we can't forgive this. And you know, you, go ahead, Roger. Sorry, I asked that. Um, we have to start reminding people of the blast radius of a nuclear bomb. Okay, because... Everyone keeps talking about, oh, drop a nuke on them. I was like, you know, that country you want to drop a nuke on is like right next to yours. But you think the the blast, what you think this is the atomic bomb that just takes out a city in Japan? Like the nuclear bombs today are way more powerful than they were dropped when they were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. You know what I mean? So people have this, you know, I'm just meaning, John, I don't necessarily, I understand what, the guy who you were talking about was yeah. talking about, but it, it really has to stop. But um, well, that's I, the funny thing about the nukes, Roger. Um, I didn't know this. Nukes feed off oxygen. It's like fire. Once it yeah. basically takes the oxygen, it just spreads. Yeah, yeah. And you got all that radiation getting into the soil, into the food chain. You know what I mean? And and you know, like it makes it way it around the earth, and it gets into the the ecosystem. You know, but um, I just, oh, I want to say, um, uh, Sabrina, those kids in um, Boston that got their offers to work at Goldman Sachs and some corporate law firm uh, revoked because they were protesting. Uh. Um, you know, I'm always looking at the uh, positive side of things. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm kind of glad that happened. What, do you guys think that uh... because, because because oh so you're disallowing them to work for the very machine that is hurting all of us? Okay, I, I'll, I'll take that. They can no longer work at Goldman Sachs or these corporate law firms. Good. Now they become their enemy. So maybe they'll work for some labor law firms or some environmental law firms or something like that. So I I, I took that as. Um, instead of looking at it as, oh man, they they stomped on their, uh, they doxed them and stomped on their First Amendment right or whatever the case is. I'm like, you can turn Roger, you're always finding the silver lining. That that is me. I'm always <laughs> seeing what the positive side of it is. 
You know, I, I put out a thing, Sabrina, I'm pretty sure you saw it, where um, there's this, uh, 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 one of the reasons why military recruitment is down is because the kids are unhealthy. And last time we were on here, I was saying that once we went to having um, both parents having to work, and which meant that, the you know, it was usually the mom, the mom not staying home to cook slow home cooked meals, which ended up causing our health crisis to balloon because now when both parents get home from work, they don't have time or they don't have the energy to cook a three hour dinner or whatever. So they, you know, get these instant uh, micro microwave oven came big in the eighties when, when both parents started working. So now it's taking its toll. So now you got a whole bunch of unhealthy kids that can't even join the military if they wanted to, because they keep failing the, uh, the, the, the test, the, the health test of whatever the physical and all that different type of stuff. So now I'm like, damn, well, is this the positive side of not having any health care? Is this the positive side of not having paychecks above the cost of living where a family can live off of just one parent working while the other parent stays home? So, you know, it, it, it's like, the serpent it's eating its own tail just a thought yeah that's that's one way to think about it i never thought about that <laughs> um if you yeah. is if palestine is going to be re let's say reunited one day how long do you think that's going to take i have honestly at this point i have no idea sure like i i really don't know um because people keep saying the clock is ticking on the people of Gaza, and I had to basically look up there other places. There's Palestinians. I thought basically those were the last Palestinians left were in Gaza. Turns out there are other places in Israel around Israel that they're still they're still there. Jordan, there's people. Yeah, Palestinians the, the West, Jordan. the West Bank. Um, I mean Kim, like Kim Iverson explained this as well. Like mm -hmm. when she came on, like uh, you know, there's the West Bank. There's there's different places. Um, but again, they're not free to move. Yeah, because I was because I was thinking like, are all the you know indigenous um, people just right there in in Gaza? So if they wipe them out, they got the they got what they wanted. They can just say, okay, no more indigenous people. So we're just the people of of, of Palestine now. Well, they're going to become a diaspora, right? Just like the Jews were. Yeah, the the one I, I think it was your channel that showed this, Sabrina, where. They were somebody from the other side, uh, some country. They were trying to rush the gate and mount the walls. I think it was the Lebanon that was. I don't. I don't remember if it was you that showed that video, but it was there were a bunch of people from the other side, Muslims from another country. They were trying to get in, trying to climb the walls. It it might have been uh, Lebanon. I I forget. Yeah, because like that was like inspiring a bunch of Arabs basically coming together to help the Palestinians. And somebody mentioned that what if all the Arabs come together and fuck up Israel? Oh, that'd be oh that would be a fucking holy war right there. Um, I did see something recently that said I think it was Jordan. I have to go back and check. I think it was Jordan that actually said that they would not stand by Israel. I have to come. No, no, no. 
I think it was Jordan that said, I have to check my email because I sent it to myself. But the Iranians have been... also said that if there is a ground game, there are going to be repercussions. So, yeah. but the reality is, I think, you know, Maya Angelou had the, the right course when she said, we are more alike, my friends, than we're unalike. Mm -hmm. There has to be a change in the world order in terms of everybody realizing that our fates are all interconnected and you can no longer vilify, alienate, ostracize a given segment of a society as a means of justifying its elimination. You know, it, 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 I just, you know, when I think about what we witness in terms of the situation between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and I reflect on our own experience in this country with white supremacy and slavery and post-slavery and this and that, I just see the same things playing out in different ways. But it's because one segment of the society has been made the villain you know, just like in Germany where the Jews were made the villain and this, that, and a third. And once you get dehumanized, there is no easy road back. I mean, mm -hmm. to this day, when you look up and say, well, how could we get into mass incarceration and all these black and brown people be jailed and it not set off alarm signals? It, it happens because people don't care. People don't care. And I think in the world order, we have to be, be re recover and resuscitate our basic humanity and see people as, as worthy of living and this and that. And we have to be willing to do something. We have to be willing to do something as we see our people decimated. And uh, I think CJ had a yeah, he was doing a live stream. I think it was he he was the one who said this that why is Israel why is Israel mostly the population is children? Why are they bombing the kids? And CJ, I think CJ said something was well, well, the people who basically the elderly, the older people, they've got like a couple of least a couple of years left on their lifespan. So they're almost one foot in the grave, but the kids, they got a long time to live. And we can't have you can't have the future be 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 growing to giant ass trees. Cut cut make sure cut the cut the cut the sprout. Cut the sprout. Yeah, mow, the mow the grass, as they say. No, mow the, mow lawn. the grass. Mow the lawn. And and uh, you know young young kids grow up into uh, into terrorists. That's the mentality. In yeah, uh, yeah. Even in the Max Blumenthal video, there was a bunch of people that said they lost their family members. One kid lost. A, I'm pretty sure you, you know this. We all saw the video, the document. The cousin that was basically going to to the house to look for his family, but his family was somewhere else, and he got sniped. He got sniped, and and when Max came back and saw the kid, a couple of months, the kid said, "Well, I can't walk. I can't walk anywhere from my house. I have to quickly go back because I'm afraid I'm going to get bombed. The only place I feel safe is at my house, but I do visit my cousin's grave. But if I ever, when I get out of here, I'm going to join Hamas." And I want blood. Yeah, Israel is radicalizing generations of of, of Arab youth. 
that this is all, all going to backfire on them. And, 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 you know, I understand, you know, what, what Iran said was that if there's a ground war, we're going to be involved. And once they get involved, I guarantee you there'll be other nations that do too, like Jordan. Um, it, the whole, the whole Arab world is going to uh, blow up in Israel's face. They're not going to be able to handle it. Uh, the, uh, one, you know, their whole problem with going into Gaza right now in, in the ground war, they're, they're reluctant to do it because they understand they're going to take massive casualties when they do do that, and they're going to ignite uh, the whole Arab world against them. And, you, you know, it's something occurred to me listening to that Israeli the other day, uh, talking about human animals. I grew up in New York with cops talking about black people that way. I mean, there's no difference. I, people who deny the significance of white supremacy in all of this are just denying reality to themselves. I mean, that's the reason for the de- whole dehumanization that allows, uh, you know, when I hear people, oh, they're, they're terrorists. I think of, well, they're all criminals. It's the same thing. It's about dehumanizing and scapegoating somebody so it makes it easy for you to commit atrocities against them. And it happens here all the time. Mm-hmm. And now we have cops in America being trained by the IDF and then coming back and treating cities and black neighborhoods like 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 uh, occupied territory. Funny part about that, Dwayne, Sabrina put up well, Sabrina put up a tweet <laughs> about the IDF because I, I answered her a tweet and she's like, wait, the IDF, black police get trained by the IDF? It's not the other way around? And Sabrina sent me two tweets. He's like, <laughs> So the picture, I'm like, wait, are those black people? He's like, yep, black people. So you get trained by a bunch of fucking racists only to come back and basically beat your own people. Of course. There's always uh, collaborators, Nazi collaborators or Jewish. There were Jewish Nazi collaborators. Look at Zelensky. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people said that that guy, what's his name? The guy likes to do NGOs and he's fucking up Africa. A uh, Jewish guy, what's his name? God damn it! Uh, he's he 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 funds Democrats and, and, and Republicans. He's what's a rich this, guy. What's this Soros? Like, um, just like Soros, that's it. Yeah. Like that guy funds a lot of shit. And I think Jimmy Dore did a video one time that he was a Nazi collaborator, even though he was Jewish. He was one of those officers that collect belongings for the Jews that are about to be executed. And they wonder how did this guy ever capo. Yeah, how did this guy ever reach America and safely? Because people were well, they were looking for people who were they were Jewish saving Catholic. those people who collaborated with the Nazis and the Nazis as well. They they brought them all over. Yeah, and this guy was one of them. Yes, but you know, it it kind of reminds me of like when and I got to head out in a couple minutes, but it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of when um, we talk about collaborators. Remember there were people that were part of the Black Panthers that were collaborating with the FBI, so. Yes. Well, yeah. that's who killed, didn't the FBI, Black uh, Muslim FBI people, in uh, informants, uh, kill Mar- uh, Malcolm X? Yep. All right, I want to bring in Case, and then I have to, I do have to head out. What's going on, Case? Anything yeah. else you wanted to add? The, the last thing I'm going to say is um, talk about power dynamics, because Dwayne brought up an excellent point about how um, cops are, you know, they're being trained by the IDF and how that they treat black people with that same mentality 
And I wanted to bring up this, the Stanford University experiment where they had the prisoners and then they turned students and they had half the students as prisoners and half the guards, um, half the students as guards. And due to the abusive behavior that just naturally developed, it was supposed to last two weeks. It could only last six days. And, and that's just the human nature of power dynamics. When you have power over someone else, your inner nature un unfortunately takes over and um, it really shows who you are as a person. And it's going to take you someone as in, with integrity um, to really overcome something like that. So the point is to have a system where you don't have to rely on somebody to be to have the best integrity. You need to create a system where the power is, is just as equal as possible. So that's what I'm going to end this calling on. And much love to you, Sabs. Much love. All right. Thank you so much, Case. All right, everybody. I got to head out. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks, and I, Oh, and I'll, I'll make sure I post those other calling episodes too. I, I'm behind. I've got two calling episodes I need to post. But other than that, guys, have a good night. Good morning. <laughs> Bye.